You're listening to Family Feud, part of the Paris Style Podcast family. They might not be brother and sister, but they sure do fight like they are. Here's your hosts, Keely Yor and Shotgun Spratling. Welcome to another episode of the Family Feud Podcast. I'm your host, Keely Yor, joined by Shotgun Spratling and no longer, I guess you are still the cousin of the pod. What? I don't know how to introduce you, Chris. I am and will always be the cousin of the pot. I don't just because my adoption papers went through doesn't mean I'm not <laughs> the cousin. Okay. Cousin of the pot and official member, Chris Trevino. Yeah. We have a very interesting show for you guys today. It is the final in person pod of this trio. Mr. Shotgun Sprantling is moving to the East Coast. At least for this year. Okay, sure. We'll see what happens. Yes, we'll forward. see. But we we'll got see if I'm in town. He's ever. back January fourth and it's like this whole thing is <laughs> useless he Chris, just want, you know where we're going to be in january he just wanted his praise and then he's coming back that'd be a very shocking thing to do for sure wow i'm just kidding mm-hmm. but like i said this is the final in-person podcast with the th- the three of us yeah what's the deal it's my first show as an official member and you and this is your last <laughs> one what, what is this, what is this? this. <laughs> i don't like that <laughs> but as an official member i now have power i can decree stuff i think <laughs> i think no, you i can't. can i can do what? things i have voting power <laughs> i don't know what no i don't know why you think you're this powerful now anyway so <laughs> to start off i am doing an honorary oh. celebration of this being shotgun's final thing so keely if you will join me yes i kind of i'm sorry i didn't encourage you on this bit because i'm actually aware of it I'm aware of it, and I'm gonna let you wear this. I mean, in honor of Shotgun, we're wearing hats. <laughs> we're for all, this we're both going backwards hats in yeah. honor of Shotgun. Yeah. Right so now. give us a second. A major visual bit is happening right now. Shotgun, you can describe the hats if you want. Chris is wearing a floral hat, um, Ooh, which that? looks like uh, an old grandma's couch. Oh, um, it looks great. It's vibey. And Keely is wearing a Marvel hat. Both of them are snapbacks, however, which yeah, I would not approve fitted. of. But I don't. I only wear snapbacks in California. All my fitteds are back home. Interesting. Oh. Never. I've never worn snapbacks. How no. do you do this? What? Like the hat with the headphones. It feels it funny because I wear the hat correctly, so therefore it's oh. yeah. You're wearing it very high. I don't know how to do that. I'm wearing this like a <laughs> ti. No, I don't know how to do this. I'm new to this lifestyle. Anyways. Chris was like, bring a hat. And I was like, I don't have a hat. Bring me a hat. <laughs> so for that reason, it is a special episode. Shoddy's last in-person episode. We have a lot to talk about as well. We got to preview USC's early signing period. Early signing day, if you will, is on Wednesday. We're recording this on a Tuesday. It's a fluid situation, but it looks like the Trojans are headed to a good spot. For the first signing period, so we'll get into that. We have 90 million questions, <laughs> per usual. Thank you all for sending them in. Uh, we even got some emails. If you have comments or questions for the pod, look out for a tweet from Shotgun Sprantling. I guess in the future. <laughs> we'll figure that out. And you can also email us at familyfeudpod at gmail.com. Um, we love hearing from you guys, so thank you for that. Alrighty. But like I said, guys, early signing period is Wednesday. Definitely a different situation we're talking about with Lincoln Riley at the helm than where USC was headed just a couple weeks ago. I mean, technically, the recruiting class is still ranked in the hundreds. Hundreds. Technically. 102 to be exact. And dead last in the Pac-12. But it also is a 
new era of rankings now because the transfers will be included. Now we'll have separate 24-7 sports. We'll have separate recruiting class rankings for the high school players and the transfer players, and then one that will bring them together. Um, so it's a little bit different in that regard as well. USC just picked up a commitment from a transfer. TCU uh, defensive lineman, Chris, I think you wrote the story on him, so you got a little bit more background on him. But you know, already working the transfer market as well. Yeah, Earl Barquette, mm-hmm. uh, sophomore, didn't play a ton at uh, TCU. Had, I think, maybe 20, 21 career tackles in two seasons, uh, two and a half sacks, a tackle for a loss. So just really, you know, early on in his college career wasn't, you know, he's not coming in with like a, a ton of productivity, but USC needs bodies, mm-hmm. you know, big defensive tackle. He's 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 not like an Ismail Shopshire kind of body, you know, big plug guy in the middle he's more athletic than that he can be a, a pass rusher um six foot four 280 pounds uh i think gerard has talked about this but how uh grinch's scheme wants a lot more quickness up front you know you don't need a giant uh one tech or zero tech right there in the middle he, he wants someone that can you know play in the middle but also be quick enough to make plays in the backfield and i think that's what they're getting in barquette a big louisiana body out of the south um Coincidentally, Sopcher was also from Louisiana, so they've got two, assuming Sopcher sticks around, uh, they'll have two big Louisiana bodies out there. So always need more depth for this defensive line, especially after you know losing a Jacob Lichtenstein. Um, don't really know what's going on with Brandon Peely, so bring in those defensive bodies when you can. They've also offered another uh, defensive lineman body, uh, Jared Verse, an FCS uh a defensive lineman who was very productive, I believe. Um, from so, Albany. From Albany, yeah. So he's kind of one of those guys, you know, who does really, really well at the lower level and then takes a chance for his final year, you know, trying to go to a power five, puts up all these stats, and then all the all the big power fives want him for, you know, you know like a Georgia or an Alabama. Those guys bring those guys on for, for one season to see what they can do at the higher level. So that's a really good pickup. And I really like the class right now just because it has one five-star, one four-star, one three-star, one two-star, and a transfer. So everything on the board right now, one of each. Um, but that's going to change, uh, and that could change oh, yeah. okay. as soon as tomorrow uh, with the you know when the early signing period opening up. There's a couple players that are going to be making announcements. Um, uh, the branch, the older branch brother will be making his announcement live on 24-7, if I believe. I don't know. He's on ESPN. He's on ESPN. And that was a change, right? Yeah. So he he was a guy that was was going to do it at a different time. Uh, there's a couple players that are waiting to sign until February. There's more players in this particular class that are waiting until February uh, than any I I believe at least high end players since the early signing period began. And I think that is all a cause of how drastic this coaching carousel has been and how you know how there's been so many changes and how there's so many position coach changes that are still ongoing. So I think a lot of, co- a lot of players are realizing, I'm going to take my time, especially if I'm not planning to be an early enrollee. I'm going to wait till February and let, this, you know, let the coaching carousel completely play out and then find out you know, what teams have. You know, maybe they already get some transfers in, and you say, I don't know if there's early playing time like I thought there was going to be. Um, you know, some different things like that. So I think that it's a unique recruiting cycle. And for USC, it's truly unique because you've gone from one recruiting class and trying to, you know, trying to close with all the uncertainty to basically moving those guys out and saying, hey, you think there's going to be a better opportunity for you somewhere else? and bringing in a completely different class. And if they can close with the, the way that they 
have the potential to could be a really special class for USC to be the big building blocks going forward for Lincoln Riley, um, especially the defensive back position. You know, USC is more than likely going to lose Chris Steele. Isaac Taylor Stewart told me he was 50-50 on where he's at. So you could have, you know, two openings for your cornerbacks. Isaiah Polamau is is probably gone. Uh, Chase Williams has already entered the portal. We expect uh, Greg Johnson to do the same. So the safety position could be wide open as well. So, you know, can they go out and get some big-name players? You know, uh, Zion Branch is one of those. Damani Jackson, can they get him back in the mix? He's going to wait till Friday, so we'll see what, what happens there. Elias Ricks, the transfer. I mean, there's there's a number uh, of big-time names out there that could be plug-and-play uh, guys for USC. So this recruiting class could be really – it is going to be really important for USC going forward because it could be the building blocks for what Lincoln Riley can do in year two or year three. Now, speaking of Damani Jackson, if we want to read the tea leaves, um, under Clay Helton, USC normally would have a presser on Wednesday, kind of midday, talking about the class. Um, and we kind of heard, oh, USC might do a presser. Wednesday might have a different day. And then we got word on Monday that they're going to have a press conference on Friday. And like you said, Jocka, and that is the day that Damani Jackson is going to announce. Do we connect the two or is this just a, hey, it's a new coach. It might be a new thing. I think I think you connect the two. However, I don't know if that means that USC thinks that they definitely have him, but maybe they just want to wait uh, and then you know be able to discuss where they feel like the class is at after that decision is made, one way or the other. To say, you know, we feel like we didn't get a guy that we really wanted to today, being Friday, and say we got to really work on this or whatever it may be, or being able to celebrate that because he is a five star top 10 player and you want to be able to celebrate those to build that momentum as much as possible. So and I, I mentioned before when Lincoln Riley took over that every 2022 kid, I would say, wait till signing day and announce then. And so you get this big surge on signing day. Uh, potentially you can take the silent commit or whatever it is, but say, don't, don't publicly say anything. Now we've seen Relique Brown commit to USC and that gives them a little bit of momentum but you know you want to try to build a little momentum towards the signing day but then you want to crush on signing day because there's so much attention around it so it brings that national eye back on you so when you're starting to recruit you know a Devin Campbell from Texas or Josh Connerly from Washington they see on ESPN oh USC 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 and so they you know that just puts it in the back of their mind that many more times so I think you want to try to build up and maybe that's something that that Damani Jackson commitment could do but we'll see which way he goes that's a really tough choice for him Nick Saban and the production that Alabama has had versus staying home and the potential of what could be at USC. I think it's also a nice little just, uh, I don't know if celebratory, but like a nice little bump for Lincoln Riley to be able to say, hey, Damani, we know you're deciding Friday. We're going to move our thing to Friday, too, because we want to we want to talk about you after. It's just Mm, a nice little like a little special like we're going to do this for you because you're a big time player. We want to get you. We want to talk about you publicly. Uh, on on Friday afternoon. Can I just run down the schedule? One last thing about Damani, I think it's worth noting, uh, we reported earlier this week that uh, Dante Williams is expected to be retained Mm. um, on the staff going forward. We've heard recruits talk about that as well. How much, we know that Damani has a connection with Dante, how much does that influence maybe his decision as well? I think it's huge because when I talked to him in the summer and when you talked to him before the season and you talked to him through the season, it was Dante's my guy, we don't even talk about football. It's just a, you know, it's a life thing. You know, they were going to be connected regardless of where Dante ended up. But to have him back, that's the guy that he's, you know, been thick with the entire time. So I think that's huge for USC. And great job by you guys on that reporting. Uh, I think it was a collective effort there. Yeah, Gerard I was, too. I was in the middle of packing everything for, for multiple days. So Where are you going? 
I mean, my eyes have been, you know, open pretty much like 23 hours a day, it feels like, as I've been packing stuff. And then I'm like, wait, what happened on the board? That's and there's like so normal. many. I was about to say, how is that different from <laughs> Because the usual usually there's, there's multiple hours during that day where I'm on the site or on Twitter or whatever. And I feel like I try to play catch up for like 20 minutes at a time. Uh, every 10, 12 hours. And I'm like, wait, there's so many posts on the board. I can't keep up with there's anything There's so going much on. happening right now, for sure. <laughs> and so many updates. The 24-7 network has been fantastic. Brian Doan giving us updates from the Northeast, uh, you know, updates from Texas, updates Blair and, and Brendan Huffman and Biggins for all these different guys that are just coming on these visits. The so um, as well as the work as our staff has been doing. So there's been, just been so many updates. And this is what happens when USC is popping again. Yep. And that's what the that's what it is. And there's so many different names being thrown around. So it's not these long drawn out recruitments that we you know have been used to because of this this late change and you know all the uh, momentum that USC has been able to build in a couple of weeks with Lincoln Riley and the big recruiting events and stuff that they've had. So it, it's been really it's kind of difficult for me. I'm like, wait, I gotta I gotta read this. I gotta read this. I'm like skimming every article that I can to try to keep up. Uh, but uh, it's, it's a really fascinating time for USC fans to to be able to to jump back in for the people that kind of pulled themselves away and just been be so excited and there's so much excitement every basketball game I've went to just people stopping me and telling me how excited they are about the future of the USC football program in that sense and Chris I know you want to get to the schedule we will in a second how much I mean it's been a limited window for Lincoln Lincoln and we've talked about this a lot um, about how on the introductory presser day he was in relique brown's home for mm-hmm. an in-home visit what has lincoln and his staff been able to do in this short period of time before the early signing period i mean we talked about it last week how i believe it was a stock of some sort that link stocked down on sleeping because lincoln was just everywhere you could be private jet there doing uh uber interviews here and there on espn on podcasts on coward show he was just everywhere and also in the in the in the midst of this media bliss was also getting in front of recruits, shaking hands, getting in home visits, and obviously I, when he took this job he knew he was going to have to have a huge push, at at because you know obviously the early signing periods change things. You have that short window, especially if you're a new coach coming in after you know another coach has been let go. You have to grind in those two weeks. I, obviously February was what we were used to back in the day, and. You know, obviously he would have had a lot more time, but now he just had to and, and to balance that with also bringing on his staff. He's done it like a nice slow drip. It seems like every day that week you got a new coach in the fold. So and we haven't seen as many of like some of the other guys like we haven't really seen like a, a Zach Hansen out. But we've seen, you know, Dennis Simmons. We've seen Roy Manning out there. You know, Tashar Choice was on campus this weekend uh, for their big, big official visit, which just was like rolling deep of, of guys. Mm-hmm. And staggered out to you know guys on Friday, guys on Saturday. You had guys coming in just for twenty four hours. You had you had transfer guys. You had guys from it was just a running revolving door of people just coming into campus. So I'm sure they did not have a lot of time to sleep, just like they haven't been sleeping this whole last two weeks. But you know Lincoln Riley is a grinder. Lincoln Riley is young. He's he's energetic. He knows how to get it done. And you know he's been living up to his end, you know, from his press conference where he said he was going to recruit and recruit like heck and sort of get the talent back in into into this program. And, you know, he's lived up to that so far. And it's interesting. I've talked to, I think it's usually the director of operations that does a lot of the scheduling mm-hmm. stuff. And visit weekends, an official visit weekend, is a challenge. You know, you're moving parents here, you're doing this, you got to get everybody to dinner, you got to do all that. 
And they're doing it, staggering it like that with guys coming in three separate days in one weekend, kind of. Um, so give them a lot of credit. And we haven't heard anything of any negative feedback of like, mom got left somewhere or whatever it may be. Um, so give a lot of credit to the people behind the scenes. They're doing all the scheduling and stuff, uh, the, you know, the support staff, the recruiting staff, you know, all that work that goes into planning and having, you know, having the blue M&Ms or whatever it is for that a kid really likes having the right snacks. That, that is actually something that happens. You know, you got to find the right snacks for the kids so that the, the room at the hotel is, is stocked and they're ready to go. Just those small details that really, Make, make everyone realize how invested you are in them. And I, I think that you got to give credit for all that stuff being done with the way it's being staggered uh, in, in these and you know pressed into two weekends, basically, of trying to get kids on campus as much as possible. Yeah. I get stressed booking uh, travel for, like, an away game. So <laughs> I, I can't imagine, like, yeah. having to book, like, 15 people on different days, going back to different states. It's like... You're all flying to one place. I'm also I'm sending you to one <laughs> one airport. You can figure it out from there. And the transportation back and forth, the airport, all those. Oh, you know, there's just so many details that go into hotel it. rooms. It's like yeah. And we've complained about it so much, but also just the timing of the early signing period. It's coming right at the end of a long season when everyone's exhausted. And then you got to do this one last push. It's just brutal. So definitely props to. All of the staff, in that sense. Yeah, the, the way they've the potential to turn this class around. Let's wait till they finish it. But yes. uh, it, it sounds like things could end really well. They still got to close those deals though and get those signatures. So uh, when that happens, though, you're probably going to look back at this and go and you know again be like, wow, that that's impressive that they were able to pull off whatever they are able to pull off in the you know span of two weeks basically with a four and eighteen. Alrighty, Chrissy T. It's finally time for your schedule. Yeah, it was cut off. I apologize. <laughs> Welcome to the Family Feed Podcast. So what happens. Go for it. Yeah, so just a running schedule right now of who is expected to sign uh, in the next couple of days. Uh, Garrison Madden, the three-star linebacker out of Georgia, he's expected to sign around 9 a.m. Um, that's uh, our time, Pacific Standard Time, if you're you know, a West Coaster. Marvin Jones, the five-star edge rusher out of Florida, he's expected to sign around 1 p.m., uh pacific standards time uh zion branch he's going on about 115 on espn pacific standard time tomorrow david bailey he's a little bit unknown he, he's a guy who maybe could push back the stanford commit he could you know sign with stanford tomorrow he could flip tomorrow to usc or you know he could maybe push back to february do something like that um, i just i want to jump in here what do you make now that you've had some time of it him committing then visiting usc in a 24-hour span Committing to Stanford, I should say. I mean, it tells you the power of what the the coaching staff is doing. You know, the day after he commits to um, you know Stanford, he's on USC campus. He's back this past weekend with his modern day teammates, and I think that's also a big part of it. Is that you've got that pipeline from modern day to USC, and you've already got a couple of you know players that are committed, or Damani Jackson is a decommit but still looking, or Lee Brown being committed. You know that's able to pull those guys along with them. Like, just come up, come up to the basketball game when we're coming up. You know, come up to campus. Uh, you know, we'll drop you off afterwards. And that, you know, if he was in, you know, somewhere completely different. You know, if he's in San Diego or whatever it is, a different school, and there's not that connection, then maybe he's not making those trips. So I think that's a big part of it. But it also tells you the power and the the effort that's being uh, being put in right now with, with those recruits to, to be able to try to get them on. So even a, a day after a kid commits, he's like, yeah, I'll probably still I'll go check out USC and we'll see what, what it's all about with this new staff. 
Uh, three-star offensive tackle, Penn State commit Andre Roy. He is a little bit of an unknown. You know, he could also maybe sign. He could flip. He could maybe push back to February. Is he a PG County boy? He's not because he's from Baltimore. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't know these things. <laughs> he's so mad at me right now. Uh, Damani Jackson, as we said, he will be signing on Friday. Um, time is not known, but it will be a Friday signing. Choosing between Alabama and USC. Uh, Javante Barnes. He, some of these guys will be signing tomorrow, but they won't announce it mm-hmm. until January. Uh, Barnes will be one of those guys he's going to sign, and then he will announce on January 2nd on ESPN uh, at the uh, Under Armour All-American game. Uh, Cyrus Moss, he will also is expected to sign tomorrow between Miami, Arizona State, Oregon, and USC, and he will announce on January 8th uh, in San Antonio for the All-American Bowl. Um, CJ Williams, he is expected to sign tomorrow. And again, not announce it until January 8th. Um, that's Notre Dame, UCLA, and USC. He backed off his commitment to, to Notre Dame last night. So, you know, that's only feels like more fuel for the USC fire right now. So, a guy that's been to USC a couple times the last two couple weekends, weeks as well. Yeah. And then Kevin Coleman, the five star wide receiver, he is expected to sign and then announce his on January 8th, too. So, like four guys that will sign tomorrow, but you won't know until. January. So does that delay some of the gratification for USC fans? A little bit, but you just got to be patient at this point. But that's another chance to win the day. You know, if you crush it at that day and you get three or four commitments there, then now, you, you know, it's an all-star game and, you know, USC's being run on the bottom ticker. It's in Times Square or whatever it was, like, uh, you know, when Relique Brown committed. So it's just an extra opportunity to build momentum. And if you build that momentum in January, when other teams are playing for college football playoff and stuff like that, and you have nothing else that's really happening, it, it's, it can be a really big momentum push uh, You know, as you're looking at some of those targets towards February, as you're looking at some of those transfer targets. So it could be an opportunity just to be an extra day where they, they crush it, where if, you know, if they don't get a ton tomorrow because some of those guys, they can still crush it in January. One, one uh, adjustment, I think you said that Zion Branch was at 115. It's at 1215 Pacific. Okay. I think you had him on, on uh, uh, Mountain Central. Time. Yeah. Um, just quickly, I just want to pick your brains with some superlatives. Great. Who do you think is going to be the most exciting out of this early signing period for USC fans? Exciting is in terms of? Whatever you want most exciting um, the easy answer is Relique Brown the one guy that is committed the one guy that's a five star and in Lincoln Riley's system maybe he gets that the feel let's just say the feel not not all the way up there but of Reggie Bush because he's going to be special in space and Lincoln Riley I think will devise ways to get him open in space and let him go to work and he's going to make some guys miss and he's going to have some ooh and ah plays um, you know he's a smaller guy that can you know that plays bigger than he is and just has that electricity around him. So I think he's the, kind of the easy answer there with that one. So you're taking exciting on the field. I'm going to take it exciting like for the fans. I would say C.J. Williams just because USC has struggled for the last how many cycles to consistently or bring in at all top local wide receivers. You know, C.J. Williams will will snap a streak, I believe, like going back to Brew or maybe Drake. Brew and uh, Kyle Ford were in the same class together. Right. So and, you know, obviously Kyle's had his injuries. Brew has, you know, the off field stuff. So those two haven't really, you know, had that much of an impact. But C.J. obviously is a guy who can come in right away and help, you know, given the injuries that USC had last season at the wide receiver position. 
there wasn't a lot of oomph besides Drake London, especially when you lost Bruce. So getting a, a local guy like C.J. Williams, you know, a big national prospect, All-American, and essentially flipping him from Notre Dame, you know, that that's just a, a, a sweet cherry on top for USC fans. So that that's my pick. Okay. And then as far as most underrated or dark horse candidate, someone who's not on people's radars. I mean, for me, it would be the linebacker Garrison Madden. Yeah. I mean, I think we're thinking the same thing here. You know, USC needs speed in the middle of the defense, something they, they were lacking. This guy is one of the fastest linebackers in the country, you know, runs a 10-7, um, watches film. He's all over the field, you know, doesn't have the, the, the weight, you know, but that's an easy fix. Get him in the college weight room program. You'll get him on the field. He could be a special teams guy year one, or, you know, he can emerge, uh, you know, as, as, you know, someone that can contribute in, in that defense, but they need speed and Madison, Madison, Madison has a lot of that. Um, so I think that's a guy, you know, every cycle there seems to be like an underrated three-star guy that USC offers late or a school offers late. And then the board just like falls in love with them right now. That's Garrison, you know, USC offered about maybe a week ago, got him on campus, uh, this past weekend. So it's been a quick turnaround already got a crystal ball in for him. So, you know, that's a guy who, you know, it's not a big flashy five-star, but that's a guy you need. Since you took uh, since you took the linebacker from Georgia, I'll take the Mid Atlantic offensive tackle Andre Roy. You know, being able to flip potentially a offensive lineman six six three twenty, you know, from a Penn State from a Big Ten program, I think would be really big for USC with how they've struggled with offensive line recruiting. Now, this is just talking about the guys who are signing now. If you can go forward. Uh, Josh Connerly is the guy that stands yep. out to me. Uh, if they can get him, I think that's a huge get because he may be able to contribute as a freshman, maybe uh, a little bit of um, you know just cycling them in a little bit and giving them a couple drives, and that would be really big for them. Well, that kind of segues into my final superlative. Uh, either you can choose most needed or instant impact guy. I mean, most needed is offensive line, and I would say Josh Connerly. Um, just like you said, I think if you got whatever the class is going into to February, January, if you got Connerly in February, that just like is like the stamp on it. You know, you sign a big national five star offensive lineman. You know, you can get Roy this week and that's a nice little building block. But if you can bring back a blue chip prospect, a blue chip offensive line prospect, that's just huge. Uh, for for and it goes back to kind of the struggles we talked about wide receiver it's been the same for offensive line mm -hmm. you know you've gotten a big boost with Andrew Voorhees coming back Brett Nealon coming back right now the line's looking you know like it could be pretty solid you know they had Bobby Haskins the the, the Virginia uh, grad transfer offensive tackle um, he came in for a visit if you can get him and you know and and this and that class with um, Connerly you know that that's incredible. And then Devin Campbell, I believe he is also pushing back his signing. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing. You know, you still don't have an old offense, offensive line coach in. Um, so maybe he wants to see how that plays out. But he has an official visit yet, so you can get him back on campus. Um, but I think Connerly would be, like, the most needed, most, like, instant impact guy. You know, it's tough to contribute year one as an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman. But you 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 want Connerly in that in that line room and on the practice field with you and Campbell's actually rated higher than him but right now trending away from USC but with them pushing it back that's great news for USC because of the fact that it looked like he was you know probably going to sign with someone from the state of Texas um, so great opportunity for them 
when they get an offensive line coach to really push, really sell there and try to get both of those guys. Uh, the, the guy, though, that stands out to me, immediate impact, is a transfer, Elias Ricks. I mean, number one. I think he's. The, I think he's the number one transfer, one of the top three transfers in the class right now from twenty four. I believe he was bumped down. Okay, to number two. But immediate impact. He's he got great ball skills. He plays the ball really well in the air. He can play press because of his length. You can play him off because he knows how to read the play really well. He was a you know a terrific player at LSU already. You know, two years there, he could come in. And with the potential of them losing both their starting cornerbacks, that could be you know the need that they really need. Offensive line, you talked about it. Stock up on offensive line with Andrew Voorhees, Brett Neilan coming back. That's huge for them. I mean, Andrew Voorhees um, had been hearing that he was probably trending away from coming back. And he told me after the game um, at Cal that he kind of had his mind made. He was going to sit down. He was leaning one way is what he said. And so, you know, that to me sounded like, okay, he's probably going to, to exit USC to get him back. He has the potential to play almost 4,000 snaps at USC. Wow. Chris, what was the – I think you had the crew. If, if they play – 13 games. Uh, 13 games, so, you know, he stays could, healthy. Could, could even be 14 if they make it to the Pac-12 championship or whatever. You know, he could – at minimum, end the season, assuming he plays all the games with 50 career starts. That's crazy. Which is yeah. crazy. And congratulations to him being named a third-team All-American from the Associated Press. And a lot of people have, have trashed on him early in his career, and that's what happens. That's why offensive linemen shouldn't be thrown in and be expected to be you know immediate impact guys. They should be guys that you work with and build them up as they go instead of saying, hey, we need to, you need to be the guy. Um, and, and that was kind of the case for him. He got better and better as careers progressed. And, you know, he was fantastic for USC at guard and played really well at tackle when they moved him out. So that gives you a lot of options, too. You know, if you can get Haskins in or you get Campbell or you get you get one of these other guys, you know, you can decide where you want to put Voorhees. Maybe you move him around a little bit as some of those young guys get better and better as the season progresses. That's an option as well. So um, I think it's tr- a huge pickup for USC to get him back. You know, that's about as big as getting anyone that they could in this class. Now, the difference being you're only going to get him for one more year. These other guys, you get three, four, or five years. So um, I think that's a little bit di- different. But Elias Ricks, Andrew Voorhees, those are probably my two immediate impact guys. Also, while we're on the topic, Brett Nealon said that he's coming back as yep. well. So you have more experience on the line, which is, I mean, as far as plugging in holes that you thought were potentially going to leave, having Brett and uh, Andrew come back is, is big. And I just wanted to say Elias Ricks rated number two in – our transfer portal rankings, Quinn Ewers, number one. Mm. Ah. The quarterback from Ohio State going to Texas. Yep. Texas. Um, and then Justin Dietrich is, is going to be back as well. So you have you know three guys right there in tier linemen that have started. You could potentially put Voorhees on the outside. You also have Monheim. You also have Cortland Ford, mm-hmm. uh, the two freshmen. You see what the coaching staff, what they see with them, where they see them uh, potentially playing. And you add some older guys like Haskins, then you know you you could have a, a dynamic offensive line when it looked like it could be very bad for them, a very big concern going into next season. Alrighty, gentlemen, any final early signing day preview thoughts before we go into a boatload of questions? I just think it's going to be a fun day, fun couple of days. You know, the last couple cycles have felt, the last couple early signing days have felt sort of. I don't want to say boring, but they've felt very, like, stale. Yeah, I would say that because even the, the biggest names on USC's board 
we were just like we were counting emojis and stuff to see. Okay, well that that means that guy's pro- there's probably someone signed for January, but we're waiting to January to get full confirmation on that. Uh, so you, you know some of the big names were still being January guys. So December is like okay, you got some offensive linemen. Yeah, December has been more like who's ever been committed is signing, and there hasn't been any like signing day drama. Yeah, and like yeah. I'm picking between USC and Alabama. I'm picking between Ohio State, USC, and whatever, another big school. We haven't had a lot of that to cover. Yeah, and USC just hasn't been in the mix for those national guys. They're going to be on TV. They're going to be you know, making those big declarations. They're going to pull something out of a box or whatever it may be or switch. How many T-shirts did Levi Jones go through? Uh, before he at least bad. three, I believe, got to USC. So you know nothing like that stuff that you know that sticks in people's minds, that catches people's eye on the national level. USC hasn't been in the mix, and that's what happens when you're struggling. And that happens. What happens when your coach is on the hot seat for multiple years in a row? Yeah, Tabani, if you're listening, there's still time. We can write, produce this play, <laughs> get everyone on there for Friday, put it on. I had people text me that they would watch your play, yeah, your commitment play. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Josh Connerly, if you want to do something in February, let's get it. Let's get it. We'll, Big men can act, baby. We'll personally fly a shotgun back to be in the play. <laughs> absolutely. How does that not sell you on that? I'm in. Um, I want you to play the head coach. If anyone's not aware <laughs> of what's going on, that is, this is a recall to the last uh, podcast episode where Chris decided that if he was going to commit, he'd do it in a commitment play. Yeah, a three-hour play. <laughs> Where no one Where can I write, leave. direct, and star in. <laughs> You're going to play the head coach at Rainier Beach. Wow. All right. Look at that. Uh, speaking of jokes that people don't understand, uh, can you explain the helium voice? Because I somewhere in the ether, someone asked. I, I've heard it so much, but I don't know the Is origin. Going, we have that official question. Do we? Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. Then I'll, I'll wait for that. Got okay. It. Speaking of questions, let's just dive into questions, shall we? Uh, we got a question from Zico, who said, uh, which player on the team that didn't have a big test this year do you see blowing up next year? In Urban's first year, Braxton Miller exploded. In Harbaugh's first year, Jake Butt blew up. I personally think Gary Bryant Jr. could become an all-conference player. <laughs> he meant but, d- didn't have a big year this year. He actually corrected that. I forgot to, to fix that in our document there. Oh, okay. But who didn't have a big year that you think breaks out? Uh, you know, the first name that pops into my mind isn't on the offensive side. It's Corey Foreman. You know, okay. I think he learned what college is about. I think that year and a half where all he had was that spring, weird spring season, um, I think that all held him back some this year. I think if the right coach comes in and can connect with him, then I think the sky's the limit for the kid. You saw in the limited reps he got that he can get to the quarterback. Now he's got to be consistent in what he does on the practice field, uh, what he's doing behind the scenes, what he's doing on the field as far as when you know the, the offense runs the ball. But he gets to the quarterback, and that's something USC hasn't had consistently for a little bit now. So uh, I, I think that he could really take a big jump forward. I would say Michael Trigg. Ooh, that's um, good. You know, I think that's a guy Lincoln Riley looks at like, that's a guy who can put up a lot of yards and touchdowns in my offense. And he's had, you know, success turning tight ends into big weapons. Mark Andrews comes to mind. So you got a big athletic tight end like that. Obviously, they're going to lose Drake London. So you, you would hope to have some big, um, a big bodied receiver and you know trig fix that fits that with this athleticism so i think that's a guy who could absolutely eat rack up some uh some yards and catches next year 
Yeah, I had I had Trigg on my list as well. Um, and since you took Trigg, I would say Lake McCree's in that same mix. Yep. Man, he came on strong at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, that's something you see sometimes for freshmen. They get their opportunity and at the end of the year can really take off. I think he's got a bright future ahead of him. You know, he catches the ball, you know, takes takes contact a, a ton. And, you know, I think they're going to scheme those guys open a little bit better than they were this past season. So uh, I think both of those guys could have a really big season next year. I like how you said since you said Trig, like you hadn't already answered. Right, right. <laughs> I know, but I had it wrote down. I had an offense and a defense. Oh, okay. I, this is a risky pick, but I think I want to go with Rajon Davis. I just feel like that's someone who's kind of been in the wings. And maybe that's me just like willing to see him on the field because I wanted to. But I don't know. We're still waiting on a, a decision from Kanai Mauga as well. Um, you know, he has not made an, an announcement about whether he will return to USC or if he decides to, to do something else. You know, he, he did mention that he was going to have a decision to make and that he was going to sit down with his family and everything. He's one of a couple of players that we're still waiting to hear from to see how this roster officially shakes out. I mean, there's still going to be a lot of a lot of uh, change on this roster. We've already seen, I believe it is seven scholarship players enter the transfer portal, most notably Keaton Slovis. Um, also, Parker Lewis and then Alex Stadhouse had entered the transfer portal, the walk-on kicker, uh, the backup. And they said, oh, Parker Lewis is leaving? I think I'll, I'll come right back. I'm back. I'm back, USC. I'm here. I'm here. I got you. I'm your starter. I'm your starter. Which we got a question about, Chris. Yeah. We got a question about uh, whether or not you're sad that Stadhouse returned because that means that you will not be making your kicking debut. Is that an official was question? A question. Yeah. That is an official question? Yes. yes. Uh, I'm not sad because I... I'm a. I drive the Dennis Lynch bandwagon. Mm. So my boy Dennis Lynch, DL, Dennis Lynch would have been like I would have worn made custom shirts. Wow. <laughs> got him. Got him going. He can you know nil deal whatever. That would have been my nil sponsor. Like let's go, sponsor the feud or whatever. But yeah, I think I would have been tempted to you know quit my job <laughs> dedicate uh the next like several months to training as oh. hard as i could wow to walk on and be a kicker at usc wow that would be a fun story to cover right that'd be fun would you let would you let me cover you you can't cover me why not <laughs> too quick oh my god this is like this is referencing like the uh the old george plimpton where he the journalist who became a member of the Detroit Lions at one point. Yeah, that's exactly what I was referencing. <laughs> Chris made a face like that's not what he was referencing. We got a question from... Wait, the, the, the actual question was, Here can you go. describe Chris's emotions after finding out Stadhouse is returning and Chris will not be kicking for the Trojans this year? So does that mean it's relief that you're going to keep your job and you don't have to go through the whole transformation? I, I would say, yeah. I, I mean, just looking at it on paper is going to be a very long journey, <laughs> very long, broke journey, but... So, yeah, I think relief is the, okay. the, the the right word. That was Dom who asked that. Oh, we got a question from Lenny who said, Good morning from St. George, Utah. I'm a fan of the show and also SC Sports, especially football. I want to know if there are any leads on any leads to whom our offensive line coach will be. Thanks and have a great day. What a pleasant tweet from Lenny. Offensive line coach has just been the bane of my existence on the board for the last <laughs> whatever amount of weeks. It's not Bill Beatonball. We know that now. Um, it's If you look at it on paper, offensive line is like the last position that needs to be filled. In theory, Zach Hansen could just be shifted over. You know, right now he's expected to be the tight ends coach, but maybe, you know, uh, Riley's like, you know, Zach, 33 years old, 
young up and coming uh, offensive line coach. You're going to take over the offensive line uh, duties and we'll get a D line coach or whatever. Um, but I haven't really heard any like names that have popped up. You know, there's been references to several qualified, interested candidates. And the fact that offensive line coach has been the last one just kind of, at least to me, seems like Bill Beatonball was the number one target. You know, that was the plan to bring in uh, old Billy B and then, you know, maybe, you know, talk with his family, decided maybe it wasn't the right move to make to California. Um, And now they're, you know, just going back to the drawing board to find an offensive line coach or, you know, a top offensive line coach. Because there's other really good offensive line coach. Bill Beatonball is not the only one, even though I know USC fans would have been ecstatic to have him. But there are a lot of good offensive line coaches out there in the country. Um, so you don't want to rush this hire. You want to get it right. So just be a little more patient. And I believe Gerard has said the salary that Beatonball had at Oklahoma was around $900,000. So that tells you that USC was planning to bring him in, that USC is willing to spend money on this position. So um, they, they're going to have a lot of interested candidates. Everyone wants to – if I, you're an offensive line coach, why would you not want to be in an offense with Lincoln Riley? Because he's going to make your, your guys look good. Um, so it, if he can, they can find the right guy, I think that the money's not going to be an issue. So I think they're going to have a, a big pool of, of coaches to pull from. So I think they're still going to get someone that's going to be impressive there, even if it isn't Bill Biedenball now. We had a question from Eric who said, I'm curious what the process is hiring the assistant coaches and coordinators. Are Bone and Sosna involved in interviewing and recommending candidates at this level, or is it all Coach Riley's decision? I mean, it just feels like it's Coach Riley. You yeah. know, he's got his guys in mind. You know, a lot of them are from the Oklahoma staff, so that's pretty no-brainer. But I'm sure he has guys. He had guys in mind. You know, when he was signing the thing, he had to get the hit the ground running. So I'm sure this has been pretty much all Lincoln Riley at that at this point. Even though you know Sazna and Brandon, Sazna and Brandon, <laughs> that's the same person. Sazna <laughs> and Bone, Hayes and Pollard. Yeah, uh, uh, Mike Sazna. They. <laughs> were involved in the 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 processes under Helton with coaches and stuff, but this feels like all Lincoln Riley. From what I know about their process, it's they definitely are in the camp of hired the right guy. That way you don't have to step in and make these decisions. And obviously Helton wasn't their guy, so they had to step in and help in that sense. So I think it is really up to Lincoln Riley. Yeah, I, I think that it's Riley's decision. And they're basically there to support. And hey, if you need something from us, you need us to go through and look at some candidates or do some you know background work for you. Um, obviously, once Leakin says, "Hey, this is the guy I'm thinking of," then they got to go through the background checks and all the stuff that you have to go through uh, as an administration and school. Um, but due diligence, yeah, you got to do your due diligence there. Make sure there's nothing you know nefarious in the background that's going to pop up or whatever. But it's down to it's Riley, and they trust him. And I think I think Brandon said this. Uh, it, when we talked to him after the hire was that he said, you know, hey, we went out and got this guy and we trust what he can do. So I, I think there's a big trust uh, factor there that they're, they're, uh, they understand that he's a guy that's going to attract a lot of great candidates. And so they're willing to let him pick the guys that he feels that are best and that they were, you know, will fit with the rest of the staff as well. But they're there just kind of in a support role and, hey, whatever we can do to help, we're here to help. But ultimately the decision is, is Lincoln Riley's. Did you guys do due diligence on me? Was there a background check? Or? Yeah, we have some things to talk about, Chris. Well, you already made me a member, so we have <laughs> things to talk about. That's what I'm saying. I know, but I'm saying it because I'm official. Oh, 
I don't like this this new bravado you've gotten since becoming an official member, but it is what it is. Uh, Gibbs said, I heard that Lincoln Riley wants an indoor facility built over the turf practice field. Have you heard anything about this? Is this talking about Brittingham? Turf practice field. So it's a floating... Oh, I, I would assume the way he said turf practice field made me think he was talking about um, Brian Kennedy field. However... Which oh, of, so I don't know if that's a possibility. Why would you put a facility there? Brittingham makes a lot more sense as far as if you're a coach and where would you want to have a facility? Yeah, that would make sense. I don't know where they're going to put it. You know, the talk is that an indoor facility that's the big thing um, that they're trying to get a football only facility. Where does it go is a big question mark because of the limited space of having a you know, basically. You know, a downtown metropolis campus. There's a couple other campuses that are very similar. There's just not a lot of room. You can't really expand and go wide. Georgia has the largest campus in the in the nation, I believe, or one of the top three, and it is super. You have to take a bus from one class to a different class. USC, you walk everywhere. It's just a different different thing when you're you know in a city versus in the suburbs or you know out in the country a little bit. We got a question from Ike who said. What are the primary differences between Lincoln Riley and Clay Helton as head coach recruiters on the trail? I thought this was a really interesting question. And not because, and some people would just be like, well, Lincoln Riley's a good coach and Clay Helton's not. We're not talking about on the field. Clay Helton was really good in homes. He did really well with parents. The kids really you know, liked him. Um, he comes off as very genuine. It was on the field where they had issues. So I don't know the exact, you know, because I haven't really talked with many recruits yet that have that have had that conversation with Lincoln Riley and you know how is he in the you know in the room and how you know how does he react and those type of things is he jumping on tables like Ed O you know I don't think that's the way he goes about it but you know I think there's that quiet swagger with him um, that I think is probably a big difference between Clay Helton where Clay Helton is a guy where you really trust him and you feel he's genuine when Lincoln Riley you look at him like, man I want to I want to I want to hang out with that dude I want to be in that guy's offense he got a he got a fade at the barber. Lincoln Riley got a fade oh, yeah. at the the play, the spot. All the Clay Hill getting no fade. Clay Hill getting no fade though. <laughs> Can't get no hair though. Come on, that's not a, that's not a category where Clay even has. I ain't a got chance. no hair though. I know that's Clay what I'm saying. Got no hair though. <laughs> Clay Hill not got no hair though. <laughs> Clay Hill not got no hair though. <laughs> okay, we, yes. I think just outside of Clay Hill got no hair though. <laughs> what I want to add is that Lincoln seems to have this sort of aura around him yeah that's what i was trying to get at and that's sort of you know you know who lincoln riley is his name is recognizable in college football i think that's what sort of also you know boosts him up on the um obviously what he does what he does on the field what he did at oklahoma but he has this sort of like you said quiet swagger but it just you know the aurora aura of it aurora (laughs) (laughs) even you are stumbling over his presence and I got no hair though. <laughs> oh my god! I can't. When you talk about when you talk to players about certain coaches coming in, the only other guy that really stands out doesn't matter where the kid lives, where he's being recruited by elsewhere. But when Nick Saban comes to your house, everyone goes, "Oh, the goat was in my house." I think Demond Jackson said this recently. He's like, "The goat was sitting on my couch." It's so surreal. Like that's the only one where it's just completely different. We got a question from King Camby who said, what percentage chance is there that SC football has an abnormally small recruiting class this year, 15 recruits or less? 
I mean, I would say there's a decent chance it's going to be a smaller class. It's not going to be like a full class by any means. You know, you want to have a couple spots open for that transfer portal, which we're assuming uh, that USC is going to hit pretty hard. So I don't think it's going to be, I mean, I don't think it'll be less than 15 recruits. I think it'll be about that range. So, And if you're just counting high school kids, because again, yeah. I mentioned earlier that 24-7, we changed the, the rankings. We're including transfers now. Uh, which is obviously something that was needed because the transfer portal is just changing the way you know teams put together rosters. So you know if you're counting transfers, there's going to be way more than that. USC is going to be able to sign up to 32 players in this particular class, and that includes transfers. Now there's also the ability with scholarship math where you can push some things to the year before, you can push some things to the year after, blue shirts, gray shirts, all that type of stuff. But USC could bring in a hefty amount of players. How many of those are going to be high school kids? Like Chris said, maybe it's around 15, maybe a couple more. We'll see um, you know, how, how many kids are open going into February because that may determine you know, how many kids USC goes after, how many high school kids versus transfers. Solomon Tuliolapupu. Oh, sorry. <laughs> he asks us a question? No, but he, we have a question about Solomon Tuliolapupu. Anthony in LA said, question for the pod. Will Solo be our starting Mike linebacker next year? Would love to see him out there. I wouldn't say he'd be the starting linebacker next year. Um, but I will say I will believe that was a weird sentence. I will say I think that he could be a defensive contributor, assuming, you know, there is no sort of medical retirement or he doesn't seek another school or whatever, you know, based on what we saw him do, not on like a consistent basis, because sometimes he would sit out, but in on the uh, practice squad, you know, he was very uh, active when he when he was uh, practicing. So I would say you, you want to see him take another step, maybe be a special teams guy and then, you know, maybe get into a little rotation. But I don't think I don't think starting is sort of uh the next logical jump for him the answer is no okay the guy has played one snap in his career until he gets on the field consistently then we'll worry about starting but like chris said let's make that jump to special teams contributor or you know work his way up to being on the field for defensively he hasn't taken a defensive snap in his career so we hope for the best for him it was unfortunate to see him finally get out there and then kind of have a setback and then start working his way back again and even at the end he was healthy enough to practice during scout team, but then wouldn't dress in games, which didn't make a lot of sense. And I don't know if that's a coaching decision or what, but we really hope that he can get out on the field and be a productive uh, member for USC because of all the time he's put in. But let's not worry about him starting. Let's worry about him getting on the field consistently. Speaking of the offensive line question we had earlier, Troy wanted to know any predictions on who Riley would go after for offensive line coach. Is Matt Applebaum from BC or Greg St- I can't say it's Struderaw from Ohio State on the table. I mean, I would say everyone's on the table when that check big enough. <laughs> fair. That's very fair. Yeah, I don't have any names off the top of my head. Um, you know, haven't really gotten the full research of offensive line coaches. If this hire is not made as we go into January, then that's something we'll be you know digging a lot deeper on. There's just been so much stuff going on right now that it's hard to dig in fully on one position so uh we'll see where the whole process of it goes lame kiffin said had have graham harrell or sean snyder announced where they will be coaching next year they have not the only ones that we have are uh bobby steiner and the boys they will be joining clay helton's georgia southern staff um vic soto has not landed anywhere but he has already announced that you know his contract will not be uh 
picked up or he would not finish out the final year of his contract. Blanking on the uh, Craig, Craig Nivar, Nivar uh, uh, Shotgun's uh, baseball buddy, <laughs> uh, will be going to SMU to coach special teams and uh, safeties. safeties. And then obviously Dante Williams will be retained. Those are the only ones right now. Yep. That have been hired anywhere, or do we have confirmation of that they're leaving? Shane said, "Who do you, who do each of you predict as the day one starter at quarterback? Jackson Dart, Caleb Williams, Miller Moss, or someone else?" Not sure we're doing Caleb Williams because he's. I'm I'm picking Caleb Williams now. He's going to be a day one starter at QB. I'm assuming at Oklahoma. Oh, so. okay. Oh, I, I see what semantics you did there. are important. Semantics. Shane. I will also go Jackson Dart because I think he'll be a day one starter at USC. Yeah, I'm going to go with the guy who's starting currently and go with Jackson Dart as far as USC goes. Simon said, "Which unit will take the biggest step forward next year?" Is it weird to say wide receiver? Mm, it's not weird to say that. Well, it is a little weird to say that because you won't have Drake London. True. My, I'm going to go defensive backs as a whole. They're potentially going to have three defensive back coaches. You know, uh, I believe it was Zion Branch mentioned in an interview with Blair Angulo that, uh, or his father did, that they expect Dante Williams to be a part of a triumvirate, basically, of defensive co- defensive back coaches, where someone's coaching the cornerbacks, someone's coaching Nichols, and someone's coaching the safeties. So, um, if you got three coaches, that that unit better take a big jump forward. Uh, we got a question or a DM from Coliseum fan. Good answer, Chris. Oh, sorry. I'm running through these. I'm getting overwhelmed You're by how good. many questions You're we good. have. It's crazy. Uh, Coliseum fan said, hello, Chris. Congratulations on being an official member of the FF. Let's go. Can you give background on the Helium Boys? Yes. Very quickly. It. I don't really. Okay. To be completely honest, I don't really know where the Helium came into this. But it started out as just like a zoom tradition back when we were in the heart of the pandemic and me and shotgun would get on skype to do the podcast and keely would take forever i would always have to she be would, finishing something she up. would be late and there'd be like periods of like 20 minutes 15 minutes 30 minutes i think there was like a period of like 45 minutes where she did not there was get one on. time where i got confused on our start time yes and no one decided to text me but yes we also during zooms uh, or during the zoom period of the the pandemic we would have Zooms with the coaches, and then we would jump on for a little staff meeting between the three of us to discuss what we needed to do going forward with the rest of the day because those Zooms came early in the morning. And Chris and I would immediately jump on. And That's so false. Keely would be just behind. That's Where did she so go? That's so false. We'd be waiting for Chris. That's that's a lie. That's a lie. And so we would we would just like talk about whatever, and then we would jokingly just be like, you know, we should just do a podcast. This is, this is a shotgun and chris podcast but i don't really understand i don't know where helium boys came it's probably something chris i just said chris just came up with it i just said helium boys and it's just like but what i remember is that i got really excited because i thought you guys said keely and the boys and i was like no, no, yes no. and you guys were like no. maybe that's why we chose helium boys because it sounded like that because we <laughs> wanted know, that maybe. uh that joy to be sucked and, out and as chris has explained it before we, we pump each other up yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. I don't really know where the healing came from, but you know it works. Sure, we're on the rise, baby. Sure, I heal you. <laughs> God, or you guys are just full of air. Uh, Coliseum fan also wanted to know which, rising air. Which Pac-12 stadium is your least favorite to cover a football game? I haven't been to all of them, but I'll say Arizona. For melting shoes, yes. I'm gonna say just for functionality, Colorado, because I really hate. I have no mobility because you have to go up through the the stands. 
And also, there's not a female bathroom in the press box. That, too. Thank you, Shoddy. <laughs> yes. Uh, the, it's a, yes, that's challenging about Colorado, though it's also fun for me as a photographer because you're shooting literally right over the top of the bench. So you get some different shots there. So I like different angles. I haven't been to Oregon or Oregon State. Um, my answer would be probably Cal. You know, really? Yeah, I, I love when they because they wear the blue jerseys every year for Joe Roth every time they play USC. Um, but there's there hasn't been a great um, crowd when we go up to Berkeley Memorial Stadium, and it's not easy to get up to the press box and, and in and out necessarily. Uh, not as bad as the Coliseum, but um, you know, there's just a lo- there's a couple of challenges that that come with it. So I'm gonna go with Cal. There, none of those games have been really great either. Uh, between USC and Cal, up at Cal that I've covered. We also had a pair-style thread of questions, so buckle in, folks. We still have more questions. Click. Go USC said, what are your top five on- or off-the-record questions that you'd ask Lincoln Riley? We're not going to go with top five, but we'll go with, like, one. And I'm sure Chris has some very interesting ones that he would like to ask Lincoln Riley. What do you mean, like a real one or, like, a, <laughs> a wild one? <laughs> I'm sure you have some wild ones. Um, you know... I'm just curious about uh, – I would want to sit down and just have a conversation about his offense and what he's trying to do and how he – just kind of pick his brain on it. I think that would be really interesting. You know, what what areas where he's trying to leverage defenders and when is he trying to um, – you know, I, I'm just super interested in how this offense is going to work for USC and, you know, the principles that he has and how he thinks they're different than, you know, some of the other areas games. So I would have more of a conversation than a specific line uh, – specific question one through five or whatever maybe. I think off the record, I would kind of ask him, assuming he would like give me the answer, like what did he see in the the players that have entered the transfer portal? Like why they're in the transfer portal? Like what did you see on tape or what did you like decide? Like, I don't think this, this person will be in, will work with my, my team moving forward. Yeah. I, I just want to. I want to pick his brain about so many things, especially the fact that he has like a photographic memory where you can just like oh, yeah. say a play and then he knows what you're talking about. Just crazy. Yeah, him and Sean McVay uh, can can call out whatever plays from, you know, you can call out a, a third and eight from the the Rose Bowl when they were playing Georgia, and he'd be like, oh yeah, we did this when we ran to the left, and you know this guy didn't get his block or whatever. It may be. Like, so super interesting. Insane. He doesn't know the price of a gallon of milk though. That same uh, the same interview talking about it was. Uh, you know, asked him about that, and he's like, I, I don't know the last time I bought groceries. So, Which, yeah. yeah, most head coaches are not out buying gallons of milk. So, I don't think Nick Saban could tell you that either. Go USC also had an interesting question. Uh, if you were the editor of the USC 2021 yearbook, who would you award the following? So, we'll go one by one for all of you. Uh, first up, Pack Can Leader. Can we just do like right at the top? Yeah. Just pack, say the name Pack Leader. Drake uh, London. Uh, I would say Jackson uh-huh. Dart. Which might be a spicy answer. Yeah, I think Drake London, that's a good answer. I didn't really have one for that. I try to try to do some of these beforehand, try to think them out. But Drake London, I think, is a really good answer. Class Clown. Trig, based on what mm, we've that, heard. Yeah, Trig's a good one. That was my answer. Social Media Star. I put London here. All his exploits, I think, are all social media hype clips so okay, rather than him Exploit. necessarily being out there on social media himself um i think his clips do the talking i have to put count to ingram because he helped oh, <laughs> me go viral that's, on tiktok that's so a great i'm answer. going to count to ingram that's a great answer well my next answer 
is Keontae Ingram, and it's most likely to become president based on the fact that his first scrum just blew me away. He was just like eye contact with everyone, was rotating the eyes. Like he's he was ready for any type of scrum. I would say Miller Moss. Interesting. Why? I think he just has really good command in front of people and he gives good answers and he's like funny and witty. Hmm. I'm going to go with Avai Malapai. Oh. Because he gets everyone's vote. Everyone mm-hmm. on the team. Oh, that's him. that's good. Uh, most likely to become a coach at USC. I'm going to say Jonah Monheim mm-hmm. to become offensive line coach because Clint McGuire was very, very high on his IQ and his ability to understand a lot of concepts. So, that Can I say Jordan Iosefa? That's such a <laughs> cop-out because he did become... He was part of the 2021 team. <laughs> wow. Um, I wrote down Jalen McKenzie. Um, if you've ever yeah. asked him about specifics of you know offensive line stuff, we can t- talk about it. Obviously, his dad, his uncle were both in the NFL. His brothers in the NFL. So um, you know a lot of a lot of football talk there. So I think that he's a guy that, that could teach guys as well. And then finally, most likely to be picked, the Bachelor, Keaton Slovis. Why? He looks like classic good looks. Yeah, but wouldn't the answer be Jackson Dart? I thought everyone was just going to say Jackson Dart. Uh, no, I went with uh, Keen Slovis. He was the hot new thing. Everyone flocking around him, just like a bachelor. Come on. I nailed this one. You've never watched The Bachelor, have you? That's also <laughs> true. <laughs> just flock like a bachelor. <laughs> Um, you tried to fool us, but you couldn't fool me. Well, Go USC had a couple of questions here, and one of them included The Bachelor, and one of them included Big Brother. And I was like, I don't watch any of these shows, but I know that Chris probably watches both of them. Yeah, he had a question about forming an alliance. Big Brother with three people, either player, coach, or staff. Is this the question we're answering right now? I guess, but Chaka mentioned it, so now. Yeah, jump to it. Here we go. So who am I forming an alliance with? Yeah. I don't watch Big Brother. I know of it, but I watch... I'm I taking the alli- the Alliance more Survivor, which I do watch. Okay. So it's player, coach, or staff that I form an alliance with. Um. Oh, I think I'm gonna choose, uh, uh Thule because no <laughs> one's messing with Thule. Okay. Like no one's gonna betray Thule, and they'll know like, <laughs> oh, Thule's with Chris. Yeah, we can't we can't mess with Chris. <laughs> That's my answer. I got Only- Vic Soto on my mind oh, for that reason. Um, I also got Gavin Morris. Uh, you know, it said uh, have three. I got two. That's as far as I got. But Gavin Morris because he everyone loves him. He knows everybody, chit chats with everyone, so he can find out the dirt on everyone on the other side of whatever uh, these alliance things are. I don't. So I'm having Solomon Tuyalapupu as my like <laughs> the 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 protecting force. I'm gonna have Vimalapai as the diplomatic force. Mm-hmm. You know. And then I don't know who my third is going to be. I think I would also, as my other two, Justin Dietrich, just be, just for a little humor and thinking a little bit outside of the box. I think Justin Dietrich is good, too, for humor and for, like, manpower. You know, we've seen the videos with the trucks pulling and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. He, and he's, it feels like more like survival, survivor than Big yeah, Brother. Yeah, I've never watched yeah, Big yeah, Brother. Yeah. There's <laughs> challenges in Big Brother. Oh, and I then I think Keontae Ingram, just because he's good with people, too. Yeah, that's and good. he would, you know, be likable and, like, oh, he's with... Oh, Ingram's with Chris? Yeah, okay. Chris is cool, too. So, <laughs> If it's Survivor, then I'm getting Amy Johnson, who's the um, nutritionist. nutritionist. <laughs> keep, keep us healthy. Oh, Look, all you get is rice. <laughs> it's, it's just rice. Is that what you get on Survivor? I don't. Yeah, you I just get rice. That's all know. you get on Survivor? Unless you win like a reward challenge. Sometimes you get donuts. Oh. Uh, chicken and vegetables. It's, you have to win to get... Some people like get coconuts. 
Well, I think she'd be able to stretch our food the furthest. Okay, okay so yeah. I'm still still keeping her in my okay. lines. Good to know. <laughs> uh, we have a question from USC football fan 2001 who said, how does this hire compare to when Pete Carroll was hired back in the early 2000s? I don't think it really compares because I feel like Pete was an unknown. I think people were like a little bit like, who is this guy? We don't really know who this guy, a failed NFL head coach or whatever. And obviously Lincoln is one of the more established, sexy college football names, so. Yeah, I completely agree with Chris. I think this is a better asked question to either Gerard or Ryan or Dan Weber, just because they were around for that, so they can give you know a true context of that. Um, but Pete Carroll was a down the line choice, you know, third, fourth, fifth choice, whereas Lincoln Riley was one of the third, fourth, fifth biggest names that you could hire. So anywhere in co- in college football, NFL football, you know, it definitely was a huge eye-opening hire, whereas Pete Carroll was like, we'll see if this works. This guy's got a lot of energy, spunk, everything else. Maybe it'll work in L.A., and obviously it really did. We have two more questions. There are two emails, and then we have a whole ton of shotgun-related questions questions. that I've saved (laughs) at the end so we can just all meld it together. Okay, so we have an email from Keith in Colorado who said, Hey, gang, a few thoughts as I just finished listening to the end of the end-of-season pod. First, Keely, you are the best. Keith, I'll email you later. Uh, you keep getting better every year, and I remember when you just started as an intern. I also recall the Colorado game a few years ago in Boulder. I took my daughter, and every time you walk behind the USC bench, which I just complained about, uh, <laughs> we cheered for you. You seem surprised that anyone knew who you were. I'm always surprised when people call my name. It's it's always shocking. Shotgun, love the stats and analysis. You two have gotten better every year with that. I expect you to be pulled away as an analyst into Riley's staff next year. Is that where you're going, Shotty? Wow. The truth is revealed. Uh, Chris? Good work on selecting stock neutral, even though even though it was a ploy. But yes, your language is the reason I don't let my daughter listen to the pod. Keely wow. is right on that. Chris Trevino, don't let full pod membership go to your head. Thank you, Keith. Doing it's the Lord's late. work. It's too late. He says, here's to hoping Riley lives up to his past performance and the success in a life of his namesake, Pat Riley, the Lakers. Normally, Keely would have nixed this because there's no actual question here. I didn't realize that until I got through. Uh, I'm but in a because question days. it talked about her in a positive about manner, it about and you. it talked yeah. about Chris needing to clean up his language. She was like, oh, "I got to read this one." No, it's because if people actually <laughs> email us, I need to like. I feel the need to honor their email. She doesn't feel that same way about you guys that tweet. That's just letting you know. Cr- Shotgun. <sighs> just letting you know. That's so false. Get her. That's so false. We had an email from Josh from the Antelope Valley who said, Hello, game. I'm having a spirited, he says, discussion with the OU fan on the USC message board on Bleacher Report. Uh, Let me introduce you to the parastyle, Josh. Exactly. Uh, while doing some research into OU's offense, I'm starting to think we may not realize what a steal Lincoln Riley was for SC and how much OU will miss him. I don't know if these stats are correct, and I'm sure Shotgun will correct me, but in 2014, the year before Lincoln Riley was hired as OC, OU's total offense was ranked 52 in the nation. Lincoln Riley was hired in 2015, and in the offense skyrockets to number 7. OU managed to maintain what maintain a top offense ever since however much OU people try to disparage him numbers don't lie i'm interested i'm interested to hear your thoughts also oh he wonders if mario Cristobal will be hired by miami i can tell you i think he will be <laughs> yes um and he says how does mario leaving well how will that affect usc recruiting i love the pod keep up the good good work josh from the antelope valley thank you josh Chris, why don't you answer the crystal ball question first, and I'll try to look up some of the Oklahoma stats to confirm something. <laughs> yes, obviously, Mario headed back to the U, where he was a the player. Um, you know, obviously, 
I think it won't be as uh, big as people think just because Crystal Ball now has his own super fertile recruiting ground of his own to worry about in Florida. You know, if you're one of, if you're at Florida, Florida State or Miami, your first priority is keeping kids away from the other two schools and maintaining a a a fence in your uh, obviously your more local backyard. Him being the Miami Dade area, you know, he has a lot of big powerhouse schools. So I think he'll still recruit California, but he's got to also focus on, you know, his own backyard in Florida. So I think he'll he'll offer kids in Florida. He'll try to work that pipeline a little bit. But, you know, he's got to obviously go up against Lincoln Riley to get, get kids out of there. But he has his own big territory to worry about in in Florida. Florida. I, I think the interesting thing there is bringing in Dan Lanning, a defensive mind, after Mario Cristobal was an offensive coach. Can they continue? Can Oregon continue to recruit offensive linemen like they were? That's the area USC's really struggled, and maybe USC can take advantage of that. Whereas maybe they'll lose a couple of defensive players to Oregon that you know they have been getting, but they'll get some off, more offensive linemen because um, you know their head coach is no longer an offensive line, former offensive lineman. So that could really affect USC. It'll be interesting. There's going to be, you know, uh, DeBoer at Washington. How is he going to recruit? Uh, there's a couple other, you know, changes uh, across the the conference in the last couple of years. How do those affect USC? Doesn't matter at all if USC is winning. USC will get who they want. So especially with Lincoln Riley, I think that that's going to be the case. Looked up some of these stats. He is correct that they went from the number 52 offense in 2014, and that would be total offense to being, I think, 23rd the next year. Um, you know, they were never really outside of the top 20 after that and, you know, had the number one scoring offense multiple years um, when Lincoln Riley took over as head coach. So I, after he got to Oklahoma, their offense definitely completely cha- changed. Uh, now, I don't remember off the top of my head where Oklahoma was at in 2014. Did they have three quarterbacks go down, you know, were they Maryland that one year or whatever it may be um, that would cause your offense not to be as good. But Definitely was a big uptick when he took over. I believe he won the Broyles Award that year, coming off that season. Quite possibly. I, I'm terrible with years and awards and things like that. But, yeah, I think OU people will try to disparage the fact that they were not able to get over the hump in the college football playoff. But the offense was always good. Now, can they be good enough defensively to where you win that game against Georgia in the Rose Bowl and then that – you know, that championship game against Alabama might have played out a lot differently than the, the one with Georgia. So, you know, maybe they get over the hump there if they have one more stop there, one play goes their way, and that's kind of the way college football is. Alrighty, transitioning into the shoddy questions. These are the most fun. <laughs> with a disclaimer that Shotgun's not very nostalgic, so he's probably going to be like, when answering these. So I don't have to answer anything, right? No, you do, Chris. This is not where you check out in the podcast. We need your attention. But you said Chris tried to walk away. No, but we're involved. Like the first one is. We're involved. The first one. Weston McKinney is a boss. Says, Shotgun, share with us your three favorite movies ever. Um, My favorite movie is Bloodsport. And that's been since I was like six years old. Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. um, Which is a really weird one to have. But. Most of my favorites are like animated movies. Like so. share with the class. I, I like almost all Pixar movies. Um, Three. Almost, Answer the prompt. Oh. I put Pixar movies, Bloodsport, and Wedding Crashers. <laughs> there you go. So he basically picked like. But what are you guys' favorites? Thirty. It's not just about this me. Isn't, this it isn't is about, about you. you. Come on, give give one favorite. Come on, each of you. Ocean's Eleven, Mulan, and. Uh, 
some rom-com that you guys would make fun of me for. I don't know what, but there's probably one in there. That's amazing because she's only seen six movies ever right. in her That's life. False. To actually have she a top three. That is false. <laughs> that is false. Wait, how, how many did you get on that top 100 list, Dewey? Way more than we thought I would. <laughs> like 40 or something? I think I got no. 40. You didn't get up to the yeah, 40. I, I did. Like 40. It was shocking. <laughs> shocking. It was not a great one, top 100 list either. No. Chris, weird. three. Uh, Go. Spotlight, Princess Mononoke, and Pacific Rim. Wow. Interesting. Uh, I don't. This might be an inside joke, but Rob said, hey, Shotgun. Shawshank Redemption is also in that. I still watch it every time it comes on. Oh, wow. <laughs> Rob said, hey, Shotgun, what were you eating while reflecting on your most nostalgic hoops recruiting memory from 1993, and how has it impacted your life? <laughs> 93, I was probably eating, you know, whatever was provided as the post-game snack from, you know, from the team mom that day. Um, how old were you in 93? I was eight years old. Oh, um, little shoddy. The hoops recruiting memory, you know, the... 92 draft class, the NBA draft class, had Shaq and Alonzo Mourning. Alonzo Mourning was my favorite player. Um, so I don't know who was coming up in 93. I know Kevin Garnett was in high school a couple years later coming out of high school. So there were some, some, some big time players there, but I don't know any of the, the answers there for that. It was a joke question, but I was probably eating a, uh, a nutty buddy or whatever, a little Debbie nutty snack, buddy. oatmeal cream pie or something. Steve said, I'm all about food. What is the last place you will eat at before you leave? What is the joint you will miss most? Safe travels. The last place I'm going to eat at is whatever I grab on the way out of the press conference because I'm going to try to go to the press conference and immediately leave for <laughs> oh Arizona to, to be able to get out there to cover basketball the next day. Um, the place I'll miss the most is probably Spumoni, um, which is a small Italian restaurant up in Sherman Oaks. There's multiple ones, but the one in Sherman Oaks, the owner, Vasek, is one of the nicest guys ever. I actually had dinner there last night. Similarly, Big T, you want to know which restaurant will you miss the most? Is that the same question i mean there, there's a couple other ones that are they're up there i mean roscoe's park's finest if you guys haven't had it in downtown it's filipino barbecue they're, they have a coconut beef dish that's the most unique thing I've, I've ever eaten it's just amazing oh wow a steven taylor's version said three-part question first how dare you <laughs> second what are we supposed to do without you same three how do we thank you for everything you've done for the p um I don't know how to answer anything else. I know. <laughs> I warned you guys. He doesn't I'm know. I'm not how very to, good with compliments. He doesn't. Yeah. He. This is just Swarmtown USA, <laughs> USA for, for. Uh, you shot can him. write whatever you want. Nice about shotgun. Take his name off. Just send it to me. <laughs> I'll internalize those. <laughs> SC and SG said, uh, "Shotgun, since you're moving to New Jersey, do we now call you the situation?" I like it. Jim no. Tannen Laundry. Yes. Uh, will you be getting a blowout hairdo? No. I think you should. Three, is the move happening because there's a little shotgun on the way? No. Sorry, Dan. Ruin all the hopes and dreams of Jersey Shore. Apparently, I'm not near where the actual Jersey Shore is. Oh. I think that's in the north part. Okay. You can get some geography lessons once you get there. <laughs> Eric said, how do you clean your hats or do you just buy a new one? That's a good question. I've never thought of asking you this. There's no great way to clean hats. There's different ways. There's, you know, there's these, these little bins that you can put them in that go in dishwashers and stuff but oh. i think it kind of ruins the texture of them so i don't i've never actually cleaned my hats i tried it once when i was you know in high school or something and didn't like the way it worked so never really clean any of my hats there's a couple of hats that uh i would love to wear but have just been so dirty that they're not really um quote unquote professional enough to to wear when i'm covering things so interesting 
Uh, Scott said, have you meticulously packed and bowl-wrapped your hat collection for the arduous <laughs> land journey to Jersey? They are in the trunk. They all went in one giant bag, one giant duffel bag, which I previously took to South Africa with an entire summer's worth of clothes and a full pull-up bar in. Yeah. And the hats barely fit in there. Chris took exception to your pull-up bar. Just off the top of your head, what's the, what do you think the worth of your hat collection is? Someone said something about this, uh, I think on Twitter, and they were like, at $34, $35 a pop, you know, what, where's, you know how, how much money have you spent? I, I do not buy many hats at full price anymore because I have so many. Um, occasionally, there'll be a Cooperstown collection or a throwback or something that I really like, or if I find something like the Rugrats hat that I have that, um, that everyone seems to enjoy, you know, that's pretty rare or different then i'll pay full price but most of the time it's clearance stuff um you know i I don't buy full price just because i have so many gate call said when did the hat collection start how many teams in each of the major leagues do you have and your favorite usc hat design uh the hat collection probably started sometime in high school um i've always worn my hat backwards never really worn uh snapback hats and because I wear them backwards, King Griffey Jr., that's probably where it came from, more than likely, the kid. And it, the collection itself probably started because I got, I don't know, like seven hats for a dollar each. Again, I found a clearance. I think they were actually supposed to be like 5 to $10, and the lady ringing them up, it was $1. I was like, oh, let me gr- grab a couple more. And they were all Cooperstown collection throwbacks, and I love uh, sports history and old school logos and stuff. So it started with that and it's kind of progressed from there. Favorite USC hat design. I I really like the the USC baseball logo. Um so I've got a couple of different USC baseball hat logos that that I like the best. How many teams in each of the major leagues do you have? You have all, right? No, I don't have all. Um I did actually do a list <laughs> to tabulate all of them and there's a bunch of different ones, but of the current major league teams, I think I have somewhere 20 to 25 out of the 30, 30 or 32 in the major leagues. I can't remember. 30. But I also have like the St. Louis Browns. I have Brooklyn Dodgers instead of LA Dodgers. I don't do LA Dodgers. I don't do San Francisco Giants. I would take New York Giants, but you know, I have some extinct teams as well. Uh, Tiago wanted to know Shotgun, would you rock the hat backwards, no less, with the tux? Oh. The times I've worn a tux for weddings and whatnot, um, I've gone hatless. I've also worn suits with hats to weddings and stuff. Um, so it's possible. You've got to have a crisp hat, though, if you're going to wear it, because the tux is just such a classic look and so crisp itself. Crisp. LBAZ Trojan said, what was your favorite drink to make while bartending at Psychogate? <laughs> so for those who don't know... Uh, during the time between grad school, before I started covering USC full time, I would go to the games and tailgate with uh, the USC Psycho Gate crew. Um, and I brought back a drink from South Africa called a hand grenade, which is a shot of tequila chased by a Jaeger bomb. And then every year we started making it more and more deadly, and it became like an incendiary grenade where there was a shot of fireball involved. So it got pretty uh, pretty complex, and it would be fun when uh, you know we'd line up like. 10 or 15 of those and everyone would you know come around the bar and and drink their drink their shot i think i'm not very adventurous when it adventurous when it comes to drinking alcohol but i think i have tried a hand grenade you made me do it 
It so. doesn't make sense, but it tastes like candy. It, yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I in South Africa during the World Cup, you, you're meeting a bunch of people, and people are like, hey, try this or whatever, whether it be food or drink. So I tried one. I was like, wow, that actually is good. And so I at the tailgate, I tell people, you know, that they could try it. They didn't like it. They slapped me. And only one girl slapped me, and I think she just wanted to slap me. So uh, <laughs> I, I think it was because of the drink. I mean, I wouldn't put it past her. Very understandable. <laughs> uh, Key said, what are some things you're looking forward to in moving back east? I mean, just being closer to family. That's the big one. But uh, besides that, there's no – I don't think there's Zaxby's in New Jersey. So, oh. um, But it will be closer than Provo, which is the closest one here. Huh. Um, that's about the only thing off the top of my head. Cheese steaks, because I'll be outside Philadelphia. Those would be good. Nice. Very nice. Uh, I've deleted the name by accident, but someone wanted to know, what's your dream job? I don't know. It's a great have you, have you ever known? I used to think that I wanted to write for Sports Illustrated and do features and Me stuff. Me too. But unfortunately, Sports Illustrated has declined a, a bit uh, as a brand and just the cachet that came with it. So, But I would love to do, you know, be doing features somewhere and be able to spend you know a month on an article or whatnot uh, instead of Chris putting out four articles or five articles in a day is a different grind. Um, but it, it's all about the art of storytelling, and that's what I think. That's why we most journalists get into get into journalism is to tell other people's stories, and that's what I like to do. Yeah, makes sense. Okay, a couple more. Full of nope said, "What are your what are some of your best memories doing sideline or practice coverage over the years?" One of my favorite memories uh, came from a high school game. Darius Rogers against Modern Day. Carson, he went off 200-something yards, and he had three or four touchdowns. He scored a touchdown in the last, like, 10, 15 seconds to win the game. But my good buddy Pedro Mora uh, was with with, with me, and I was kind of showing him the ropes of using the camera um, and taking photos and doing some different things. He is not used to being on the sideline because he had always been in the press box. And he was far enough onto the field trying to take a photo, a step on the field that the referee tripped over him <laughs> and went down. Oh and the referee God. was about to throw a flag. And they were like, no, he's not with us. He's not with us. <laughs> so, And Pedro's just horrified face as the, as the referee falls over as he's tracking down the sideline. It's one of my favorite memories of all time. Oh, um, my goodness. I've never heard that story before. <laughs> and so that, that's one of the best ones. Um, but you know, just the the memories that that I enjoy are like today. Actually, Sua Cravens uh, tweeted out that he had finally got his degree, and we watch we watch these players yeah. from their freshman or sophomore years of high school grow up and you know become college players, and for him to come back and his degree that that's awesome. Th- those are the type of things that are really cool. Seeing seeing these kids because they are truly kids when we first meet them, growing into young men, and you know. Uh, Building their lives. I'm going to keep it a buck 50 with you. I thought you were about to say something nice about us. Yeah. <laughs> Chris and I gave each other a look like, like of hope. Like, wow. He's like, Stuart Cravens yeah. getting that degree. If you hear us giggling, that's why. Because we both got so excited. Like, and we had a look of hope that we like, shared. Why do I have to share something about, nice about you? Because well, like, there's this memory question. Yeah, exactly. Out. We have one more from Samuel. Who said, Shotgun, what's your favorite memory with each of Chris and Keely? And Chris and Keely, what's your favorite memory with Shotgun? And then uh, we got some a lot of favorites on that one. So It's tough. I mean, I, do you want a moment to think about it? Chris, I've, I feel like you have one ready. I've been trying to mold I, this I do over. have one ready. It's not 
Chris and I, I believe it's our, you know, the Helium Boys road trips uh, and the, the stops at Steak and Cakes. Oh, yeah. To, <laughs> or, or reintroducing Chris to Dairy Queen after him not having had it since I'm he was here up kid. over here. <laughs> <laughs> or if you guys saw our, the, the vlog from the last game, you know, being stuck on, on a freeway at 2 a.m. when there's a shootout. shootout going on, you know, nice. whatever. I have like two. Um, I'm. <laughs> I have so my one that's like um it was shotgun driving his car into a ditch <laughs> at a passing tournament. <laughs> um that was a horrible day cuz I also yes. took a DJ Ugilele heater to the face. <laughs> broke his glasses and broke my glasses. It was in Irvine. I don't it was like passing downs or something yeah. and it was one of those tournaments like we we were told the day before like go to this and then we realized as we're there like nobody's here. There's like nobody here that's like worth really talking to or interviewing and it's like one of those things where it's like shotgun you don't have to come but he's like no i'm gonna come and then he ends up driving into a ditch <laughs> my glasses end up getting broken i'm blind it was just a very it's like not a good day for the staff it was not a the it's not a great day texts took, were just so sad i think i still have it took a lot of l's yeah took a lot of l's that day yeah um i'm gonna save my my other story for uh uh, the and one that the you're going to force into this. Oh, love, a good, love a good shoehorn. Love a good shoehorn. I don't know. I'm going to get sad. Um, there's so many. I mean, I feel like we were talking about this during the season. Like, you've known me since I was 19 and I'm now 26, which is insane. Um, so a long time. I There's just so many memories. I don't know. I mean, we've always been sideline buddies. So that's fun. I mean, you got me into swag surf the song and now anytime it comes on at any point in time, I'm just like, fine shotgun, fine shotgun. And then we have to do a little dance. Um, I don't know. There's just so many. I mean, you've been the, my faux editor. So there's so many times where he's in the middle of like juicing or doing something. And I'm like, I have a story and you need to proofread this right now. And he's like, okay, okay. And so very thankful for that. Um, shotgun, does this have a hyphen? No hyphen. Okay. Yeah. So many times. Thank you, Shotgun, for that. There's <laughs> just so many. Yeah. So very many. similar to what I said about the players is, is seeing Keeley grow up as oh. well. Um, you know, your football knowledge uh, has grown expansively. Um, you Thanks know, to you. Film study helped a Keely lot. Keeley would come over to watch. She's like, teach me something. Teach me something. She's always trying to learn something, So, um, which is why she's so good at her job. Um, and, you know, it, it, we've had the ridiculous road trips from – the ones we've driven to or going to the, the Cotton Bowl and literally like getting in the night before and like being in for 36 hours, I think. It's like, all right, what can we get before we get to the airport? Okay, there's a Whataburger in our parking lot. We're going <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, 3 a.m., you know. So all those memories are the ones. And, and this it's very similar to, you know, when you listen to players talk about, you know, what what's their favorite memory of the career. They, don't ever, they usually don't say that great highlight catch. It's in the locker room. It's being around the you know yeah. the, the their teammates and whatnot, and that's very similar here. And hopefully, I will still be able to contribute, and I will still be able to come back on on a semi frequent basis, so uh, that I'll still see you guys. Um, you know, I may pick and choose which of those seven on seven tournaments that I'm going to come to, <laughs> and be like, no, I don't think so. That's a dangerous one. That could be deadly for the entire staff if we, if anyone goes to that one. So I might oh, skip no. those. <laughs> No, yeah. I mean, it's it's the whole trope of this podcast is family feud. We're fighting like brother and sister. I mean, it's true. <laughs> we bicker a ton, and and but in the same ways, you've been a mentor to me and a older brother. So thank you. Yeah, I think uh, 
people are a little intimidated by us at you know other media members and stuff because we have such a great rapport and we're constantly going back and forth with our banter <laughs> that some people I feel like are like, I don't think I can get involved in that. That seems like it's a very... <laughs> very bah. exclusive club, bah, uh. <laughs> but but Chris did so. Look at the cousin just sneaking his way in. Yeah, I was almost like, what is it? Is this guy joining us? What is he? Is he part of our staff? Is he not a part of our staff? Or are we taking over? For, I didn't understand what was going on at first. So the first time I talked to Chris was in the Stanford press box, and, and I was, I was like, also like, how's does, it going? Does this guy speak? Is this, what sneaky Mexican? <laughs> well, I was like, you were a project. I was like, okay, this guy doesn't talk. He's okay. Talk. We're. <laughs> Sorry, it's his farewell. I know. I'm sorry. This is about me. I'm sorry. I just wanted to. I mean, you got an official member. There's just so much nostalgia happening right now. Uh, Giovanni also said, appreciate you guys using my question last time for the final shotgun in-person family feud podcast. No questions, man. Just wanted to say we appreciate all your hard work for the site and hope to see you on the visits back to SoCal in fall 2020. How fitting SE football gets fun again and you have to move 3,000 miles away. Life is funny. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. Keely blames me for for the the diaspora. That has been USC victories um, in, in the last. Uh, it's literally 12 your years. your tenure. <laughs> yeah. It is your tenure. When I got I got to USC in 2009, and that was last year of Pete Carroll, the Emerald Bowl. I covered that on the sideline, which was really weird because it was in AT and T Stadium, uh, the baseball stadium in San Francisco. Both benches are on the same side. I'm in a suit because I usually dress up for for bowl games, big games, and it was pouring down rain. <laughs> and there's like nowhere to go because you're in between the two benches oh, on no. the field. You're away from the. You're in like literally standing in center field, and oh, it's, that's it's so a weird odd. setup, um, which is, is why odd. they probably don't do it anymore. But uh, that's that was one of the first uh, USC football memories. That and going to Washington. Actually, the first game I covered was going to Washington. Sark beating Pete Carroll. And Washington fans rushing the field, and I remember seeing Nate Robinson, the NBA player, Spencer Hawes, another NBA player, uh, a couple other people rushing out on the field. Those guys were in the NBA, but because they had went to Washington, they were rushing out on the field too. That's fun. Uh, so it was really interesting. Again, another not a very good weather day as well. And yeah. I, I ran into Marvin Williams, who is from the Seattle area, another former NBA basketball player that played for the Hawks. I had just come from Georgia, and I was like literally walking around the stadium trying to find where I get my press pass, and I like. Almost bumped into him. I was like, Marvin? <laughs> Marvin? And I'll just talk to him for like a couple minutes before. Wow, Were you tempted to pick up Nate? <laughs> I got you, Nate. It's getting crazy <laughs> down there. We'll lift you up onto the... Yeah, everyone. For those who don't get it, Nate's like five, one or something. He's a small guy. Thick, though. And was a really, really good high school football player. Look at that. With that, we got through a ton of questions. I believe it was another six-pager of questions. Chris Trevino. We're going to the back half now. It's time to pass it over to you. It's time for some take it or leave it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we are here for an, another edition of Take It or Leave It. Fake corporate sponsor. This is obviously a special uh, fake corporate sponsor. We've uh, It is the holiday season. That is true. But we had a special sponsor reach out to us uh, for this week in honor of Shotgun. And that is uh, Lids, obviously. <laughs> wow, fitting. If there's nothing fitting, fitted. Oh. <laughs> Look at that. She didn't read the. I, I texted her that. She said she no, was supposed to say that on so cue. That's so false. That's so false. Don't let her think that I didn't write that <laughs> great uh, ad lib for her. Uh, obviously, 
shotgun is synonymous with hats. Hats synonymous with shotgun. Yes. Um, so Lids wanted to to do this uh, with us and partner with us. It's obviously the holiday season, but hats can be a gift for anything. A bar mitzvah. Oh. A wedding. A divorce. Whatever you want. <laughs> it can be for anything. Hat. It also is a great goodbye gift. So Lids, they came out to us. They worked with us. We have a special goodbye gift here for Shotgun. This is a, a visual bit that's actually real, Shoddy. <laughs> this is your goodbye gift from us at Lids <laughs> and <Us>. the show. <laughs> yeah, he's opening his present. We got you a random hat that we found at Lids. This is uh, the the sandal. This is a uh, Mexican minor league baseball. Uh, they did. How does he know this? <laughs> they did. Um, Specific, um, specific Mexican heritage um, type of um, logos and for a certain set of games. And this is the sandal that the grand, your um, abuela? Chancla, yeah. That would toss at you across the, the room when you were doing something bad. So this is a awesome hat, <laughs> a very unique one. Uh, and these guys got it embroidered to say the feud. This is awesome, guys. I appreciate it. Of course. <laughs> It was it was very nerve wracking to try and pick a hat for you, someone who has ninety million. Chris did a great job. He was texting me photos. What about this one? What about that one? So. We wanted to go minor league, and we think this one. It is a two tone. It's got pink. It's got uh, yellow. It has some it's shotgun got, flash on it. It is yeah. obviously Mexican heritage. Reflects me. It's got the Bruin blue to reflect Keely. Hey. It is a, literally a professional organization, but it is crazy as shit. <laughs> Because it's a flying sandal on yeah. the cover, so it embodies everything that and is the feud. the feud. If I could throw a shoe at you, I would. Oh, so absolutely. It works on so many levels. Take your wardrobe to the next level and leave with hat hair. Lids, Shaka's been keeping us in business since the recession. <laughs> thank you, Lids, uh, for hooking us up with this great goodbye gift. Thank you, we're, Lids. We're thank, doing, you, uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Even though we paid for this. Even though we paid for this. Yes, <laughs> even though we paid for this. The San Antonio Missions Baseball Club. San Antonio, where my family is from. Yeah, so it works on so many yeah. levels. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, let's run through these real quick. Okay. Uh, USC will sign a transfer QB, not a prep QB. Take it. I don't. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Genuinely uh, summed. I'm gonna take it. I, okay. I think there's more of a chance that you get into Caleb Williams sweepstakes than necessarily there being a high profile quarterback. Maybe they get someone lower profile, a high school player to kind of fit in um, behind Jackson Dart and Miller Moss. Don't know, but uh, I think better odds of you know transfer and Caleb Williams coming. Alex Stathouse will be the only Trojan to back out of the portal. This is always interesting. This is the part people forget about. And when they go, good, get rid of that guy, or whatever it may be. It's like, when oh, he's back. They're tweeting. They're like, oh, he's back. I, hope, I hope he does well for us now, <laughs> for, the, for the fans out there. He was there. always a Trojan. <laughs> um, I'm going to leave it. Because I expect there's going to be some more names going there, and just the probability of you know there being there's already I think it's eleven or twelve that have entered, including walk-ons. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say that if that number gets up to twenty or twenty-five, that someone else will end up saying, you know what, I'm gonna end up coming back. Are we counting walk-ons in this? Well, he was a walk-on. Well, he was a walk-on, so, so I, will, oh. I will count anyone. Okay. <laughs> I think on the whole, I, which one, wh- how did you 
prompt this. That has to be the only one. I'm gonna that take comes. it. Okay. Because I, it seems like those who have entered have kind of been encouraged to do so, and I don't think that will be kind of fitting to then withdraw. Moving on, USC signs three running backs this cycle. Are we including transfers? Yep. Take it. That is a sign. They will sign three running backs this cycle, including transfers. Uh, As of right now, only Relique really Brown committed. Um, but especially if they lose Keontae Ingram, which still, that's another one that we're waiting to hear uh, official word on. But uh, I think that they just they need the depth. Vavai's gone. Um, and then Keontae could be gone, so you need to you know sign multiple guys. And think do it in different classes by getting someone the transfer portal. I think that even helps better. I'm gonna leave it. Mm. We're pretty uh, on the opposite ends here. I like it. Uh, USC will have a top 50 class going into Friday. 102 right now. Yeah, I'm gonna take that. I'll take it. I haven't like crunched the numbers to figure out <laughs> what it would take to do that, but I'm I'm optimistic on what this class could become. Also, just a side note, it is very stormy right now, so if you hear a lot of wind, we did the best we could to try and California's angry at shotgun. Yeah. Frankly <laughs> uh, so. Plugging the product, twenty four seven has unveiled transfer class rankings, so you can be ranked separately for a transfer class and it will weigh into there is an overall class as well as a high school class, but USC will have a top three transfer class. Ooh, I'm going to take it. Mm. It seems like there's optimism that they're going to do some scooping in the portal. I'm going to leave it. Okay. Because I'm still not sold on the Caleb Williams thing. Okay. And I think you need that quarterback for that class rank because a lot of quarterbacks are ranked a lot higher. And there's some big name quarterbacks that are in the transfer portal right now. So USC could get a lash Ricks. But I think some of the other guys may get, be a little bit down the list that may be important players for them, but may not be that big marquee name that helped boost up the rankings. Andrew Voorhees will be back for 2022. Andrew Voorhees will be the starting left tackle in 2022. Oh. <laughs> he hates it. I thought, I thought you were just going to say he'll be back, and I was like, that's an easy ticket. <laughs> All-American, Andrew Voorhees. I'm going to leave it. Okay. I'm going to leave it as well because... With Jimmins leaving. I, well, I think they can... If they get Haskins, I think he ends up being a tackle, and you can leave. Ideally, you want to leave Voorhees inside. He can play tackle, but he excels at guard. And if yeah. you can match him with a tackle, you know he can help out a younger guy like he did with Cortland Ford. Um, and he can play tackle. I mean, he did a good job there, but that's not his strength. I think his strength is interior and just mauling people. Parker Lewis will be the biggest shock of the transfer portal additions for USC. Was Parker, like, did that hold high shock value? I think so. I think it's the Especially most. Especially after seeing Stathouse go in before him. You're like, what? Why? Yeah, so far, I would say there. it's the most. Your starting kicker who, you know, was pretty successful. And a lot of people are asking, why would he do that? And people forget that every transfer edition is not always football only. It, you know, maybe wants to be back home, maybe he want, doesn't like the culture at USC as a campus, whatever it may be. Maybe he knows they're not going to score any field goals anymore. <laughs> Red zone all extra points. Yep. <laughs> He's like, I don't want my leg to be that tired. Um, so it, there could be a, a number of different reasons why he went in, but that one definitely had some shock value for me. 
but I'm going to leave it because there always seems to be someone. I'm like, what? Wait, that person? I thought he was in, you know, he could be a starter. And if you see someone that could be like a defensive starter or offensive starter, I think that holds more shock value than uh, Parker Lewis. He talked me into it, yeah. Keaton Slovis will be in the Pac-12 next year. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it as well. A lot of other schools. And finally, this was a headline from a John Wilner article. Are you t- you're just taking or leaving the the header on this. Oh, goodness. Did Oregon hire the next Lincoln Riley? <sighs> Let her go first. Oy vey. Um, Oy vey. So, to be fair, I am... I do like Dan Lanning. I just think there's so many question marks. He's still such a young coach. And then like what does he look like when you take away all the essentially NFL starters on his roster that he had at Georgia? You know, I I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm going to lose some defenders too. No, no, but Georgia's defense this year is insane. I mean, the talent level when you take a coach away from that what does that look like? We haven't seen that. That's all I'm saying. It's risky. So I'm going to leave it. She's breaking down the whole hire itself and everything. I'm leaving it just because <laughs> the headline doesn't make any sense to me. Okay, fine. Because Lincoln Riley is an offensive coach, proven. Dan Lanning is a coordinator who's never been a head coach, and he's a defensive guy. So I do not think that was a very good headline. But it's a headline that would make you go, what? i got to read this. What, what is he talking about? Because if you trust the writer, you're like, wait a second. I, I, he'll explain why this makes yeah, sense. Yeah. And that wraps up our corporate take it or leave it. Thank you to so Lids. much to Lids. Got this fire hat. He's like presenting it to no one yeah. right now. <laughs> presenting it to him. The okay, San Antonio Mission Shanklas. Flying Shanklas. Uh, we only have one fun one for right now. Oh. This is, but there's a game we're going to play. Had several fun ones already. Okay, that's fair. There is a game that can be activated if he wants to play the game. I know <laughs> we're running long, but I don't care. This is Shotgun's yeah, final yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah, I don't fair. care. That's my final that's episode. That's fair. I mean... In person. Okay. We're never going to see him again. <laughs> Maybe they're letting me know something. <laughs> You're gone. We're done. We're done. Me and Keely got in a debate about this. Oh, my God. I'm so ready for this. So take it or leave it. This was while he was searching for your hat. He this was is, like, I'm going to go get one, a pretzel. Sorry. This is one or the other. You're taking and you're leaving the other. Auntie Anne's or Wetzel's pretzels? Because he was like, I'm going to go get a pretzel. And I was like, well, which one? And he was like, hold on. To, hold on. I want him to answer. You don't want to. Honestly, I didn't realize they were different. See? <laughs> why you guys See. have the Keely voice. Oh my God. That was his answer. And I was like, Chris, there is clearly a difference. And I he don't... was like, how do you even know, gluten girl? And I was like, come on. That's a valid point. I have eaten pretzels before my The time. one that has the, the pepperoni, like basically the pizza They one. both do that. Oh. <laughs> well, I'll take the pepperoni See, they're pizza the same. One. They're not the same. I'll go with Auntie Anne's. You people. So go make your argument and like what? Wetzel's pretzels. Okay. The density. Okay. The softness of the, the bread. The gluten. The gluten. The, gl- the sweet, sweet gluten. <laughs> it's just so nice. It's just, it's like, it's, they're fresher. Why am I taking gluten advice from someone who doesn't eat gluten? Because I appreciate <laughs> gluten. I know. You don't when know was what the last you got you had a pretzel gone. 2008? Uh, 2011. The recession? <laughs> a decade ago. Leave me alone. Obama was in office? <laughs> it, they're, they're. It's just better. It's fresher. The fresher bread 
Auntie Ons or whatever is like it's thinner. It's not as like doughy. That's what I'm looking for. Doughy. It's not as doughy. And then the fresh butter. What are you doing? She's like paint. painting right now. Yeah, visual they paint bit. the butter on it. It's delicious. <laughs> Someone go get a Wetzel's pretzel of my honor after listening to this podcast and tweet I'm me gonna, a picture. I'm going to blind Please. taste test somebody. If your team I could Wetzel's so do this. I got, a, I got a Wetzel. But then I was like, I don't like this really much. I think I'm an Auntie Anne's person. At my core. Oh, my God. But again, it doesn't matter. It They're does the same matter. thing. Oh, my God. It's gluten for see, granted. I didn't. She was like. I'm not a big pretzel person, to be honest. Why? Which is why I like the pepperoni pizza one or like the cinnamony one. They all like, do the same thing. They all do bites. They all do uh, like. Well, yeah, you copy the competition. Um, <laughs> but my roommate is a really big pretzel person. So got them a gift certificate their last birthday for West Coast pretzels. Which is in, I believe, Burbank, somewhere in that Glendale area, which they're supposed to be really, really good. She said they were really, really good. So I would recommend that they're over really, really any, any chain well, there you restaurant. Go. That was the debate that started when we were searching for your hat. So giving some love to some local places. There you go. National no. chains. West Coast. Chuck, aren't you better than everyone else? <laughs> would, no. <laughs> okay. Yes. I have a little quick shotgun game. Okay. Do you want to play? Yes, I do. It's between me and Keely. Oh, yes. Just a who knows you better. Oh, let's go. I'm still going to win this. <laughs> I'm still going to win so this. So I have the, the just the, the categories here. You're going to get whoever's closest because we're all not going to get these okay. th- right on the head. So you just have to get who's closest. Yes, I'm, so, okay. I'm so ready. I'm so ready. So he can add as many or take away whatever he wants. All right. Favorite food. Oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm going to destroy you. Food. Oh, Cause he did, he's like a weird animal. He just grazes on whatever. Um, <laughs> and remember, it's just closest. Okay, it's well that might count as an answer, Shotty. You never know. I'm gonna say something southern. <laughs> oh, um, I should know this. Oh, what was that? Thing? Zaxby's. That's not a food. That's I like win. a brand. <laughs> he, you said closest, so I'm using that to my advantage. Macaroni and cheese. Uh, the answer is actually mashed potatoes, but fried chicken would have went in there. So I'm gonna give it to this. I was trying to think of the, the thing we had at the diner, the fried chicken sandwich. Oh, favorite country food fried. Is mashed potatoes. Like, I, country fried biscuits. Steak. I should have got, I got mixed oh, up. I'm sorry. Gravy, that's up there too. Oh, yeah. I, I okay, flubbed that nervous, one. You're nervous. It's okay. <laughs> favorite, okay, so you got favorite alcoholic beverage and favorite drink. Yes, so we'll say different. favorite non alcoholic drink. Monster. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, no, no, Mountain Dew. Very good guess. The answer would be actually Yoohoo. So neither, <laughs> one, neither one of you gets that. <laughs> Not even close. Uh, Favorite alcoholic beverage. Yoohoo? <laughs> yeah, Isn't it Yahoo? Just, that's just brown oh. water. That's <laughs> chocolate drink. Okay. Chocolate drink. Favorite alcoholic beverage. Oh god, I know this. It's a Bourbon. it's a it's a it's a something in Coke. It's no, a, a, a mule. No, it's um Jack and, and Coke? I know it's it's uh I'm gonna go bourbon. It's something in Coke. It's like a dark like whiskey type. That is incorrect. The most common thing I drink is Jaeger and Red Bull as a drink, actually. Oh, I um, should know but this. I actually should bourbon know this. is probably my favorite. And <laughs> I got some Pappy Van Winkle as a present one time. I was which thinking is, of that, but all I could think of thinking was of pop- Pappy Van Van Winkle. I, I call was, bullshit. I was because he said it recently, <laughs> but all I was coming to my head was Popeye because it was like <laughs> Popeye. Favorite actor? I don't really have a favorite actor. You so. can supplement whatever you want. Yeah, do a, do a off the cuff shoddy question. Uh, okay, favorite athlete? Oh God. Oh, Hank Aaron. Mm, that's oh, a good guess. that's a good guess. 
She's trying real hard. I'm trying Keely so gets hard. mad competitive. <laughs> oh no. I don't like this. Um an Atlanta sports person. <laughs> Actually not. I actually mentioned him earlier in the show. Alonzo Mourning, um, not only was he a great player, but then he also had the, the kidney issues, and he has done tremendous uh, charitable works as well. So he has remained my favorite athlete. And a great kid. meme. A lot of my favorites come from childhood, so okay. I don't really change them. Okay. But I get the point because oh, I actually I saw named favorite, somebody. I just right. now saw that favorite please. athlete was on the list as well. Wow. So now you have to come up with a new one. Wait, so I get the point though, right? Favorite USC player that we've covered. <laughs> Darius Rogers. <laughs> For some reason, I want to say Robert Woods. That we that we've covered, a George Jackson. George Jackson. Yeah, let's go. Robert Woods. Let's very go. very good. Yes, go. though. Come on. Adore. <laughs> Just a great kid. Um, biggest pet peeve. <laughs> I, I was gonna break this up into two. Biggest pet peeve on the media beat. Oh, <laughs> coverage. Uh, darn it! You took a sure answer. And then and then, no, like the media. All right, Be, we'll, like do, we'll do USC one outside, and then outside of the outside. coverage. Outside okay, okay. of coverage. So, so which Biggest one are we starting regular with? regular pet peeve. Oh, I should know this. Complaining. People complaining a lot, about especially about things that they can fix. <laughs> or <That's> politics. A, <laughs> you had to pick one. No, both. Both are <laughs> my answer. Complaining about politics. Yeah. I'm going to say slow drivers. Chris is much closer Yours is a very good answer, and it's up there. Ugh, but shut up. <laughs> the correct answer is just gloating. people driving in the left lane. Um, That's me. Not the fast lane. That's me. It's this the passing a, lane. It's called a, a passing such lane. Such a if cop you're, out. If you're not going such to a be passed, so salty. Cry more. <laughs> Cry more. All right, biggest pet peeve in our occupation. <laughs> Chris is ready. Go first, Chris. People <laughs> stepping on your oh. media interviews one on one and not that's man asking Shaka, a question. Shaka was about to pop some people this season. Um, cheering in the press box. The answer is <laughs> the press box. Yes. No, very, very, very close. <laughs> if you're going to be in an interview, you're going to stand over my shoulder. You better come and ask some questions too. Don't just come over here and snipe my interview. That's a subtweet. <laughs> that is um, most disliked food. Onions. Oh, I know it's onions. So mustard. Most of those are up there, but definitely onions is number one. Woo! Um, I don't think I'm I have anything to myself. add off this. I think we're tied. Yeah, yeah, we need a tiebreaker. We need a tiebreaker. Shotgun. We need a tiebreaker. 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 Who actually went to your wedding? Me. Ooh, I went. What? Family. My favorite family feud member. Should make this interesting. Himself. <laughs> Himself. Damn, you got it. <laughs> That's great. All right. Um, let's see. One, one final one. It's the final question. Favorite uh, musical artist? Sure. Oh. Outcast. Outcast and or The Weeknd. No. That's oh. correct. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's only fitting that I win. I'm the original family member, Chris. This is bullshit. <laughs> there you go. You Woo! guys are ridiculous, but you know me. <laughs> we do. 
We do. I want to play this game now. Freaking onions. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is this where I yell in one? I guess. Let's make this a two-hour pod and one. That's the foul. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess. Um. So I initially had your favorite shotgun moment, which I already talked about. But Keely, yes, this is mainly for you and I. Okay. He is not really in this okay. except to comment. What will we miss most oh, about goodness. shotgun? I'm gonna go first. I'll let you talk because I want to share a story real quick. Um. What I'm going to miss most about Shotgun is his innate ability to connect and just like converse and talk with people, strangers that he hasn't met before, just like out in the wild. We're at restaurants, we're at uh, a gas station, we're at uh, wherever we're traveling to. He just has this ability to do that. And that leads into one of my stories. We This was our first road trip to arizona i don't know if he knows where i'm going with this but we booked an airbnb i don't know if i've told this story publicly so if you're listening this far you made it you got a nice little shotgun story at the end good for you this is it uh we booked an airbnb in arizona a little bit of a sketchy neighborhood whatever uh it's a airbnb that's two places you can book we booked the back and there's like a front part. So we have to walk through the front to get to the back. And there was a Christian college having a party, like an office campus party. And Shotgun says, before we went out, because we went to go meet you for dinner. Yeah. And he was like, I'm going to check that out later. And I was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so we go. We get a little drinky. We're feeling good. So drinky. I don't know. <laughs> we come back, take you, the Uber. You have three sips of an alcoholic beverage right. and you are gone. And Chris. I'm drinky. Yes. And then a drink with dinner. That was it. Yeah, it was nothing really intense. Well, for me, I was. Yeah. We go back to our place and the party's still going on. Shotgun's like, let's go and check out this party. I feel like we have told this story, but continue. I don't think so. Okay. So we go out and just, it's like a bunch of people awkwardly standing around. It's like a Christian college party. (laughs) You know what that means if you've been to one. It's like everyone's uncomfortable. Everyone's like trying to have a good time, but also like fearful of the Lord. I don't know. And it's like, you know, there's there's vibes there. And there's like a pool and like shotgun like talks to I don't know, it was like some girls' party and like she was like, Yeah, come by and there was like we were in the party and then shotgun were out by the pool and more people come out to the pool and then this guy just comes up and starts like talking to shotgun about how essentially how to be popular, how to talk to girls, and shotgun's just like holding court <laughs> with a beer in his hand. I don't drink beer, so that was not the case. Drink in his hand. <laughs> he had something in his hand, and he's just holding court with like five of these like <laughs> Christian college students about how to navigate college and how to be put yourself out there. And I'm just like watching in awe. Like I said, I was drunk, so I was just like, <laughs> "Look at him go! I could never do this." And then I don't know what happened, but some guy decided to try to do a backflip. <laughs> I don't know if it was like a show of appreciation or just an honor of this man who he was helped. talking to some girl and tried, to, trying impress to impress her. a girl is what you guys said yeah originally. there was a girl there that no one realized there was a girl there <laughs> that's another part of the story but whatever and then the guy was just like yeah let's do this guys he didn't do it 
<laughs> guys, he didn't do it. He didn't do it at all. He didn't do it at all, guys. He almost died. It was he, scary, he, to be he, honest. He didn't get the full completion. He flipped under, onto under his rotation. back. He under-rotated, hit right on his neck. It was just like, uh, the Lord was with him that night because he, he almost got sent there. <laughs> there was a brief pause where everyone was like... There, the the it, whole air went out of that that party. And then he got up and it was like, okay. Whew. And then you can laugh at him. After they yeah. Up. I, I don't remember laughing. I remember being stunned about what just happened. True. And then we quickly uh, went to our room after that. <laughs> I, like, I think we've seen enough here. You so, guys were traumatized. I do remember that. Like you thought there's something seriously happened. Yeah. It was it was wild. And these are the s- sort of things that happen when I'm with Shotgun. We just go <laughs> on these adventures. So that's something I will miss. I'm sure we'll have more adventures, but that is something I will miss on a consistent basis. That's the thing. If you talk to people and, you know, finding out about people and their background, you never know where it will lead. Or who will try to do a backflip. And almost break the day. Yeah. Nice. Is this my turn? For yeah. What, what you don't I'll... have to go into the story, but the one thing you'll miss about Shotgun. I mean, there's so much. <laughs> the man is so stubborn. <laughs> Just So unbelievably stubborn. You're going to miss that? I don't think that's no, true. No, <laughs> I'm going to jump and leaf around because I, you won't be able to dishonor me with your stubbornness. There'll be times where I'm like, Shotgun, just don't do that. And then he'll like stare at me directly while doing it. <laughs> it's like a cat. <laughs> yeah. Don't push that off. Don't yeah. push that off. Yeah. Boop. You know, I, for some reason, I had a ton of fun covering USC's Elite Eight team. With you last season, that was really fun because you've covered the basketball team for so long when there was no glory in it, <laughs> and and to see that finally kind of come to fruition and and all the fun you were having covering the team and just getting your your knowledge throughout that process was fun and also gave me something to do in in COVID, <laughs> so I was really happy about that. I don't know, there's so much, there's literally so much. Um, you guys get to figure out what's going to happen with basketball now that I'm leaving. People keep asking me that. I'm like, I don't know. I don't, haven't even accepted that he's leaving. Leave me alone. <laughs> Stop. Um, but one of my favorite shotgun memories, and, and Chris, you're going to have to do a reenactment. And we've already talked about this. But just, we didn't fully realize this at the time. And then we had to go back. We were in the parking lot after practice to go rewatch it. But when you had... <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the feedback in your ears during the Dante Williams press conference Zoom. <laughs> you sound so drunk. It's just so funny how slurry you sound. It was just so funny to me. I, I basically was Rob Manfred at the uh, yeah, what right. was the All Star game or whatever uh, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, they were like, "Did he have a stroke or something?" Yeah. Was Rob Manfred. They were worried about his health for a minute and saying he was drunk. But I experienced a true feedback loop. Where you can hear nothing, you can think nothing, because there's just so much sound coming through your ears. And if you try to speak through it, it just becomes more and more sound. <laughs> just so funny. And when you told us about it, we looked it up, and I was just crying. I was laughing so hard. It was just so great. Dante, <laughs> do you have an update on Keontae Well, gentlemen... I think that wraps up our final in-person podcast of the Family Feud podcast. Chris looks so sad right now. He doesn't want to accept it. <laughs> <laughs> Any final thoughts before we wrap this one up? Shoddy, uh, don't leave. <laughs> it's it's going to be an interesting drive. Um, I will start out after the press conference, and I will stop in Phoenix to cover the basketball team playing against Georgia Tech. I'll stop in Oklahoma City. Maybe I'll stop in a national park along the way somewhere. 
Maybe I'll stop in the greater Cincinnati area and get some Skyline chili and then on to the East Coast. Oh, interesting. A friend of the pod, Jason, said, when and where in Galen tomorrow night would be the best possible place for a farewell? So now that there's not going, I was actually thinking about this, um, if there was going to be a signing day presser and then having a potential meetup beforehand. Uh, so I'm going to probably tweet something out uh, about having a potential meetup for anyone that wants to come. I don't know if any of the other Family Feud members will be covering the game or not. Um, but, uh, you know, come pick my brain a little bit about the basketball team or to say goodbye or take a photo or whatever, uh, like Jason mentioned in his tweet. But, yeah, we're having a little meetup beforehand. Uh, I'll tweet out some information on that in the next day, so be looking for that. Stock Nation neutral. Stock Nation yeah, neutral. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, Stock that's neutral nation. Tells you that it doesn't Roll exist. Roll out. Roll out. <laughs> Go swarm him. Tell him that we exist. That's all I got to say. Chris looks like he's he looks like a little sad puppy that you leave I, on vacation. I don't have anything really to say. Oh. But <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> oh, Captain, my captain. Chris, you're gonna pull the Chris is Our fearful trip is done. Can you pull up? The ship is weathered. Every rack. <laughs> this is really bad. Digital's copy of this, so I can't really read it. I said the price we sought in war. I think you get the point. Chris is standing on a wheelie chair above the mic, <laughs> saluting Chris. So I'm shotgun. shotgun. I can't even get this out. What? What an episode. <laughs> Chris gets this face when he's up to something, and that was incredible. Oh, man. If any of you stuck around this far, yeah. thanks for listening. Thanks yeah. so much for, for all the messages and stuff and for contributing with the questions and everything. We really appreciate it. This this podcast has grown out of, out of literally me and Keely arguing at practice. And I, I don't know if it was Ryan said you guys should just have a podcast I mean, or if Keely was like, we should just do a podcast. And it, it started from that um, and has grown into what it is now. And... I still hope to uh, be able to join you guys, at least on occasion. So um, it's not farewell. It's just goodbye for now or whatever oh, the hell that, hell I that hate saying goodbyes. is. Um, but, yeah, it, it, we really appreciate all the, the fan support and everyone that, that tells us that uh, Stock Neutral doesn't exist. No. And, you know, yells no. out from the stands to, to call Stock out to Keely and I. Uh, the support this year, especially with how terrible the football was on the field, has been, you know, has been a little bit mind blowing to me. Uh, you know how many people have been invested and continue to come and you know uh, say positive things and stuff to us. We really appreciate it, and uh, you know we've grown with you guys. And you know this is just the next step. Oh, that was so nice. <laughs> okay, that was like so nice. I know. The, the, he's a- he said his nice quota for the year. He just got twenty twenty two out of the way. He's he's stocking up. You look like you were to say something, Chris. No, I just. Chris is over here now like a, a like frog. He's speaking of squirming, he's squirming now. He just doesn't know what to do with all his emotions. And play me off, Chris. <laughs> we don't have any rights, we better cut this off quickly. He's not dead. <laughs> Wait, that's your lot. That's your, that's your I know. Line for Role reversal. That's going to wrap it up for the Family Feud Podcast. That's Shotgun. That's Chris. I'm Keely. We'll see you next time. And that's Wiz. Peace. MTV's official Challenge Podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is 
finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.